This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we're live. I am Joe. He is Rich. This is the Voice of the Wrestling flagship podcast. And um, the WWE investor call is happening as we speak. So... This will be a heavy dose of that on today's show, along with Little Impact. Haven't done a lot yeah, of Impact Wrestling lately. Impact Wrestling. Rebellion Part 1, Rich. Too big for one night. <laughs> actually, Medicine Raid actually said that too, which without, yes, I, I don't know if it was super, uh, very ironic when she said it. I think she legitimately just was like, yeah, too big for one night. You know, I was like, oh, I was waiting for Josh Matthews to kind of give like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and, and he didn't. And I was just like, oh, all right. <laughs> actually, actually, I think it's too big for one night. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that was fun. That was, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. Good to good to get back in Impact Land for after we'll you know a long time we've been there. So we'll finally do the big. Can we ever call any of them big? But we'll finally do the big two AW show. <laughs> Joe, I watched that. I watched that show like a month and a half ago. I don't remember anything from it. So hopefully you'll have to. Uh, That'll be a great segment. Refresh then. my memory. I think once you start talking, it'll get going again. <laughs> but man, like, yeah, that See, was legit. Like four four weeks ago, right at this point that I think I watched that, it. That show is so old. There were fans, <laughs> right? Right, there was. I forget there was. That show was so old, there were fans. And, um, you know, not a lot of fans, because it is 2AW. It is 2AW, yeah, within reason. Yeah, so. only only, only so many we're, fans could possibly show up for 2AW, but... We're spacing out the wrestling that's actually happening, because there's not going to be a lot of it left. We're We're starting to trickle out. Uh, there were two big Noah shows this week, but we're not going to do those on the show this week. We're going to hold off because Noah has canceled all of May. So we're not going to do anything in May. So we've got plenty of time to get to the Noah because we're not going to fall behind. Uh, the Wrestle One show finally made air, the final Wrestle One show. Again, we're not going to do that this week. We'll save that for another week because, well, Wrestle One has folded. So again, we're not going to fall behind on the Wrestle One. So there's no harm in pushing that off. But we'll get to the 2AW this week, but we'll get to Impact Rebellion. We will get to all of the latest WWE madness, including the investor call that's happening as we speak. Uh, but Rich, did you see the Dynamite this week? The uh, I did. Dynamite. Yeah, I haven't seen all of Dynamite, but I've seen uh, the, the, the most important and most interesting segments, I should say. I saw the uh, little bit of the opener and, uh, of course, the the talk of, of wrestling Twitter today. Kenny Omega versus uh, what was the uh, jobber guy's name? I'm forgetting it again. You put respect on Alan Angle's name. <laughs> That's what you need to do, sir. Um, yeah, so we've got to talk about this Kenny Omega-Alan Angle's match. I gave a lot of thoughts, or very quick thoughts. I did a very truncated, abbreviated, rushed edition of the Thursday TV reviews before we started this show a half hour late because of me. Um, 
where I gave some thoughts on it, but I think it really will lead to an interesting discussion. Um, first of all, I think the only reason that people are even talking about this to begin with is because it's Kenny Omega. If this were any other wrestler in the world or virtually any other wrestler in the world, I don't even think this would be an issue. Oh God, no. Uh, it's just Kenny Omega and he's very polarizing and his fans are, are very hardcore and the people who don't like him, um, just cannot stop paying attention to him. And, and I mean, Kenny Omega is the kind of guy who he could fart in the breeze and people just chase the scent. They just, people cannot get enough of Kenny Omega. Um, but we would not even be talking about this. What I thought was a rather innocuous six minute squash match. Um, the talk before I saw it to give people the gist of it is that this was, uh, a 50-50 match where Kenny Omega uh, completely lost his credibility, further pushing forward the narrative that he has no more star power, and that Alan Angles killed his finisher. And to that I reply, number one, I get around the watch in the match, and it was most definitely not a 50-50 match. God, no, I yeah, know. no, I just uh, just actually watched it before we got on the air here, and I would uh, definitely classify it's like 80-20, maybe, at best. Like, was Kenny Omega ever in danger of no, losing the match? No, Did they ever give you the idea that he was about to lose? No, never. Did, Ken, did Kenny Omega sell for any extended period of time? I think the most he sold for was to let Allen get up to the top rope to do something, and then he rolled out of the way before <laughs> Allen did his. He was going to the top rope to do whatever move, uh, and as as he did that, yeah, Kenny rolled out of the way, and that's about the extent of the selling that that, that went on. So, yeah, so this was not a fifty fifty match. This was not a a match where both men got an equal amount of offense. That that just it just wasn't. Uh, the second thing that bothers me about some of this discourse is this idea that uh, this man kicked out of Kenny Omega's finisher. Rich, did Kenny Omega hit the one-winged angel in this match? He did not. He did not hit the one-winged angel. So what the fuck are people talking about that Kenny o- that this guy kicked out of Kenny Omega's finisher? I mean, what are, what are, what are they talking about? Right, and we've already established, too. It's very interesting when I was kind of following through the discourse and watching it. I followed a lot of it before I actually had watched the match as well, so I'm glad I, I actually did that and then watched the match because I think it, it puts a little bit of a different perspective uh, on some of the stuff. But, you know, as I'm watching it, and I, I will say for the record, the, the V-Trigger that did finish him off is like the best V-Trigger I've ever seen in my life. Like that, what a sell by, by, by the Jobber guy. What a V-Trigger by Kenny. Like a really awesome look at stuff. But yeah, so essentially what he does, if for people that haven't seen it or, or if you forgot or whatever, I, I don't know how you could. It's just yesterday, but uh, he hits the V-Trigger in the ropes and then puts him in the middle of the ring. Alan Eagles kicks out uh, and then Kenny sets up, bounces off the ropes and then just absolutely fucking destroys this guy in the middle of the ring. Uh, with a V trigger and pins him, but like you're saying, a that's not really his finisher. If he kicks out of the one wing, if if Kenny locks the one wing angel in the middle of the ring, drops his ass in the middle of the ring, one two, and then Alan Ingles kicks out. Okay, we can have a little bit of a discussion here. We can have a little bit of a talk. But he was in the ropes, and and they've always kind of established that Kenny's V trigger in the ropes is not nearly as powerful as the V trigger in the middle of the ring. And people kick out of V triggers. They've done that for five years now. People like let's let's calm down on the let's get all nuts about the V trigger kickouts. Wait, but. But a jobber shouldn't kick out of the V-Trigger, which I counter with. He didn't. He beat him with the V-Trigger. So what are we complaining about? It's like people are complaining about a thing, but the opposite thing occurred. I, I, I'm so perplexed by this. Like, first of all, it's not his finisher. But aside from – let's put that aside. If you want to say that a guy on Alan Angle's level shouldn't be kicking out of the V-Trigger, well, Rich, he didn't. The v, he logged, The match ended with a V-Trigger. I would have a problem with this. 
if Kenny Omega hit a V-trigger, a real V-trigger, not the one in the ropes, if Kenny Omega had hit a real V-trigger... Well, if he hit the one that he, he and, finished him off with, where his neck snaps back correct. and crumbles into a you know a heap, and then he kicks out of two, and yeah. The, and the guy kicks out, and then Kenny beats him with the one-winged angel, I'd have a giant problem with that. Because now Kenny's telling the story of, well, this V-trigger can't beat anybody. And then I'm never taking that move seriously again. Um you know, that, that'd be one thing. Or obviously, if the guy kicked out of the one-winged angel, that would be a massive problem. But Kenny hit like a, a, a V-trigger variant in, in, you know, with the guy tangled in the ropes, which, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura used to use the Bumeye with guys in the corner, with guys in the ropes, and that would never finish Right, it was never. Game. The one that, that finished you off was in the middle of the ring when he got full force, bounced off the ropes, came with power. You know, yeah, that, that was always established that that was a real... You know, Pumaye, not the. It's similar to Okada. Sometimes Okada will hit like a short clothesline just off, like you know, something random. But it's not the. You know, it's not the. I grab the wrist, I turn you around, I put you in the middle of the ring, I do that sort of stuff. There's always variations to, to that sort of stuff. There's always little nuance to finishers sometimes. People are making way too big a deal out of this, out of the idea that this guy kicked out of like a variant of a V. Not even the real. The real V trigger did beat the guy, mm-hmm. and it's like no other promotion in the world has established secondary finishers. Better than AEW has. Cody Rhodes wins every match with a different hold. I mean, whether it's the figure four with Sean Spears, the the clover leaf uh, variant that he used on Dark this past week to beat the uh, the jobber. I forget what he calls it, but he does like a version of the clover leaf, but it's so, sort of like where he sits back on the leg. It's a different version of the clover leaf. Um, obviously, the crossroads. Um, and then you have just on, even on this show, we saw Darby Allen beat Sammy Guevara with the Last Supper. You know, so it's like uh, they've done a great job establishing secondary finishers for everyone. And that's exactly what they were doing here. They had Kenny Omega beat the Jabron with the V trigger instead of the one winged angel. And I think people are way too wrapped up in the idea that he hit that first quote unquote V trigger with the guy tangled up in the ropes. Now, if you want to argue that maybe you should have just eliminated that spot, don't do the one tangled in the ropes. Just do the one that's going to finish the match. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Maybe that would even maybe that would have been better. But I also am not going to get all worked up over the fact that the guy kicked out of a fake version of a whole of a move that Kenny Omega never wins with to begin with. When has Kenny Omega ever beat anyone with that V trigger into the ropes? When has he ever beaten anyone with the V trigger? Period. I honestly can't remember. Maybe he's won one or two matches with it. Can you recall Kenny Omega scoring a pin with the V trigger? Off the top of my head, the no. Of head. Yeah, but I mean, we're, we're, we're dumb idiots and we don't know anything. So no, but listen, <laughs> right. maybe he has at some point. The point here is if, if, if we can't remember, I mean, and it obviously isn't very pronounced, okay? No one ever kicks out of the one-winged angel. Right, right. There's not a definitive moment where I say, oh, yeah, Joe, it was obviously this, you know, G1 match. for Yeah, I'm sure it probably has happened, but yeah, not off the top of my head. I, 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 I can't recall one. This is a guy who clearly knows how to protect moves. I mean, no one's ever kicked out of that thing. Okay, Um, you know, and and he went out there and had a six minute match with a guy. And here's the other thing, too. Let's say he would have hit two super clean V triggers in the center of the ring. Would that have been the end of the world either? I mean, are we, are we really making way too big a deal out of Absolutely. this? Absolutely, yeah. And 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 I think you you and I have had this discussion before, and I think there might be people that that either don't know anything about the history of wrestling or whatever, only watch now or whatever. It, it, it's very strange, but, but essentially, and, and, and you, like I said, you and I have had this discussion before people that haven't heard that before or, or, or don't remember it. There is different ideas of how jobber matches should be done and structured or whatever. There's nuance to it. They, they, it's not all a set, 
exact everything has to be this exact same way every single driver match has to end in a minute every single driver match has to end with you know the guy getting no offense or something like that that those type of matches are great i like matches where a guy like i want lance archer to go in and just beat the fuck out of marco stunt and and pin him in 30 seconds you know what i mean or or or, or whoever they throw at him he goes out because that's that the gimmick is that lance archer is an unbeatable fucking monster You, you know and that's a lot of wwe you know, WWF jobber matches in the days, depending on who the guys were. If it was The Undertaker, The Undertaker wasn't give, wasn't going to give some pudgy-ass, you know, Northeast jobber guy any offense. He was going to tomb someone and throw in a body bag. But he was a monster. <laughs> you know, he was quite literally a monster at that point. So it's fine. That's that's sort of been the established way. But we have said, you know, for a lot of people, Jake Roberts has, has, has been quoted as saying that he always thought it was good to give them a little offense because if you're just beating a nobody, then you're nobody. You know, you know the thing like I don't want to just beat a nobody. I want him to think that I'm beating a competent pro wrestler. I want to. I want to. I feel like I'm better off by beating a guy who 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 looks good and appears to be a decent wrestler and appears to have some you know any sort of semblance of 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 of, of skills or offense or anything like that. And Ric Flair was always that way as well, where Ric Flair never went in there and beat a jobber in a minute. Ric Flair would get that guy, and he would get some offense. He would get a little bit of a, a, a momentum or whatever, and then Flair would either cheat his way to victory, or Flair would just finally say, "All right, I'm fucking around too much. Let me put this guy away and beat him." And he would do that. And and that's that, I'm not saying that Kenny Omega is doing what Ric Flair did or what Jake Roberts did. I'm just saying it's not always the same thing. Even in this own company, even in AEW, a jobber match for someone like a Lance Archer is going to be different than a jobber match for someone like a Cody Rhodes or or a Kenny Omega. It, it, it's both heel-face dynamic that changes, and it's also the type of wrestler that these guys are. Can, should Would I be super upset if Kenny Omega beat this guy in a minute? No, I wouldn't. That's fine. But I'm not super upset that he beat him in five minutes and that this guy got like two little offensive moves or whatever. Would I be annoyed that if Lance Archer went toe-to-toe ten minutes with this guy? Yeah, that would annoy me. Because the idea is, is, is of, of how they're presenting Lance Archer is very different than the way they're presenting Kenny Omega or presenting a Co- Cody Rhodes or whatever. So that's where that nuance kind of comes in. And to just just paint everything with it just exactly just this. Everything has to be the same. It has to be structured or whatever. Like you said, I don't think we'd be having this discussion if it was anybody but Kenny Omega. But because it's Kenny Omega, we have to hyper-focus on everything he does and, and, and freak out and, and, and react like this all the time. But, like, there's nuance to jobber matches. They're not always the same, and I'm fine with that. I like that there's that little bit of change and nuance. Kenny Omega has a history with this do you remember in 2016 he had two matches in new japan uh one with jay white and one with juice robinson and jay white was just a straight up young lion at that point and juice robinson uh, your black tights the whole deal pre-excursion juice robinson 2016 uh was not current juice robinson this was a juice robinson that was hadn't been worked the g1 yet uh was uh still essentially uh, a young lion or maybe where Toa Hanare is at now, somewhere on that level uh, was to give you perspective of what juice Robinson was at the time. He was still working lion's gate shows and losing some of the matches. Okay. So that's where his career was at the time. Kenny Omega had two matches with uh, juice Robinson and Jay white back to back on, on a tour before I believe the latter match with Elgin. I could be wrong about the tour, but the point is he had those two matches back to back with guys who were essentially job guys at the time. And those matches were great. And he gave them a ton. And do you remember the Jay White match specifically, where they did all of those teased near falls? The idea was Kenny Omega was too cocky. Yeah. And Jay White, you know, was giving it all he had. And Cor- and that was in Corrigan Hall. Not some village in Aichi. Okay, not Bipu. Not uh, Hokkaido up in uh, the fucking mountains in the snow where no one's going to see it. Corrigan Hall. 
Kenny Omega, Young Lion, and he went over 10. I guarantee you that match was 10, 12 minutes. Okay, guarantee it. And Jay White scored three or four near falls and had Cork and Hall on their feet for that match against Jay White. So Kenny Omega has a history of this. Like you said, he's not Lance Archer. He's not a guy who's going to get in the ring and squash a guy in 40 seconds. That's not who he is. That's not the kind of wrestler he is. It's not what he does. Would it have been wrong for him to go in there and kill this guy in 30 seconds? No. And no one would have cared. 10 minutes, 25 seconds, by the way, was that match. Road to Invasion Attack, uh, 2016. I believe it's uh, March 27, 2016. Cork and Hall, if you want to uh, check that out. So, Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, so, you know, right there it is an, ex- he, he has a history with this. And then like two nights later or the night before, whatever it was, he had a very similar match with Juice Robinson. Now, again, now listen, these are two guys that New Japan are eventually going to push. I get it. So again, you always have to look at the context, right? Because everyone knew Jay White was going to be a star. Everyone knew eventually New Japan was going to push Juice Robinson. So maybe that's a different scenario than Alan Angles in a television squash. I get it. The point here is Kenny Omega has a history with this. He's not the kind of guy who ever goes in there and, and has that kind of match. He just doesn't. He could have went in there with Jay White and beat him in four minutes. He didn't do that. He went out there and, and, and had the most entertaining match possible. So, and uh, that's besides the fact because this wasn't any, this was, this this Dynamite match was nothing like those two matches. Those were 50-50 matches where the guys got legitimate offense and near falls. This was not even that. And people are complaining. Really don't get it. Uh, I think the it's disproportionate. The complaints you mentioned, Ric Flair. Um, I was going to bring up his uh, matches in the mid '80s that he would have with literal jobbers. Yeah, where he would sell for these guys. But you already did. What a, you know? And then there's the match with Disco Inferno. Okay, not a complete jobber, but that WCW Saturday Night match with Disco Inferno. Not Disco Inferno. Uh, Alex Wright. Obviously, similar gimmicks got them confused. Dancing there. fools, you got but, your dancing fool mixed up. That's all right. That's fine. It's festival. You know, but but I think the jobber examples are even better because you know he would have those kind of matches. I've seen on Twitter today getting passed around guys like uh, Mike Jackson and George South and the jobbers of the day who were considered good workers who Ric Flair respected. So he wasn't going to get in there and squash him. Did it matter? No, he was still like the second biggest star in the world at that time. Didn't make a difference. And this, at the end of the day. This isn't going to make a difference. So, look, if you didn't like the structure of the match or you didn't like the job guy kicking out of the first, um, uh, you know, quote-unquote V-trigger, I get it. I, you know, I, I, that's fine. But I think where people go too far is, oh, this is – they killed the V-trigger. They killed Kenny Omega. Kenny, uh, he can't be a star. And right, nobody, yes. Anybody who was going to come up with their cares. opinion of Kenny Omega came up with it this week and said, you know what, <laughs> now – now I have my opinion of Kenny Omega. This is the day that I've decided that I either like or don't like this man. Today is that, yeah, get out of here. It's ridiculous. Yeah, nobody cares. No one's going to care. So, um, yeah, just totally blown out of proportion. Um, you know, I, I, much to do about nothing. But, um, you know, it's Kenny Omega. The guy's yeah. a lightning rod. That's uh, it. Actually, brings up there's a match that because uh, you know the Monsoon Classic YouTube page still the greatest of all time. I, I I fear for the day that that thing gets wiped out like Lucha Blogs got wiped out uh, this week, which is an awful fucking story too. The the Lucha Blog 
uh, YouTube page going away. But Monsoon Classic is, is you know, sometimes I say I'll just, like, put on, like, I'll, I'll find a playlist and put on, like, 1998 WWE Saturday Night or, like, 1998 Worldwide. Or, you know, I'll just put it on and, and go to the background. And I remember one time watching uh, Ric Flair versus Lismark Jr. came up. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why was Ric Flair facing Lismark Jr. on Worldwide? And it's exactly what you'd assume. Like, Ric Flair is taken to the absolute fucking limit by Lismark Jr. Because Ric Flair just wanted to do that. You, you know, Ric Flair could have eaten this guy alive in five seconds. Because this is Ric Flair in 1998, for God's sakes. Like, he doesn't have to give this guy anything. But I'm sure Ric Flair, like Kenny Omega, went out there and said, no, 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 let's have a, let's, let's do a little thing. Let's let you, you know, you can show off some of your, you know, your best moves or whatever. We'll do a few little things. I mean, I'll beat you and just sell it pretty good. And, and we're good. Like, that's the way some wrestlers are that way, too. Like, uh, uh, Kenny Omega type, as you said, may be, and, and maybe they've established that, too, with Kenny. And, and you said over the years, as Kenny's established that. And I think Cody's probably this way, too. And I think there's several guys that don't want to eat guys alive in a match. So that I, I would probably feel more weird to them if they did that. You know, and, and I have no idea what the future holds for Adam Ingalls or whatever. Not Adam Ingalls. That's a, a White Sox <laughs> center fielder. But, um, you know, I have no idea what the, what the, the future is going to hold for him. But, like, it, it, you know, maybe they're thinking, hey, let's just not eat this guy alive. Let's get him a little something. Because, yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe we end up bringing this guy Rich, in for a bit. I, I don't even think it's that deep. I think Kenny Omega just went out there and they gave them six minutes. And he went out there and did a six-minute match. And it was fine. And this is so blown out of proportion. I mean, it's just this. This looked like a thousand six-minute squash matches I've seen in my life, in every territory, in on WWF TV. Yeah, it was also far um, and away Kenny's like shortest match on AEW TV either. So it's not like this. It's not like it's a twenty-five-minute taken to the brink type of match here we're talking about. Like this isn't like the the one that we brought up recently. You know, or not recently, God, a year or so ago at this point is the the Hangman Page Kip Sabian match, where. Adam Page is, is, and it's not to say Kip Sabian's a job on a level of, of, of angles or whatever, but, like, it's just the idea that, like, why is Hank, why is it taking 20 minutes for Hangman Page to beat him? We're talking about a five-minute match here. Like, it's yeah, not that big I of mean, a deal. Jeez. Standard length for a squash match. And 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 he accomplished the, – the, the thing about – the rub with this one, and then we'll move on, is it's like he accomplished what everyone's complaining about him not accomplishing. Like – uh, he finished the guy with the V-trigger. And all I'm seeing with people complaining or saying, oh, the guy kicked out of the V-trigger. No, he beat him with the V-trigger. He, he established the V-trigger can win a match. And this Ryan Satin, I mean, I can't remember. I think I brought this up behind the paywall, so I may as well bring it up now. Out here saying, oh, well, this will be bad because when casual viewers see Kenny struggling with this guy and they won't take him seriously. Casual viewers. Casual viewers are the last people who will ever care about this. Those are the people who aren't paying attention to these minuscule details. It's only the dopes listening to us right now and people like us who even pay attention to shit like this. What move they're using to finish and and uh, who's kicking out of what and, and they got their fucking stopwatches out. The cl- A casual fan watched that match and literally will never think about it again the second it ended. That is so off base. Yeah, I don't think my mom's saying, wow, man, <laughs> Kenny Omega really struggled with that that jobber. And I'm like, you know, I'd, it'd be ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, geez, when Kenny Omega's in an <laughs> AEW world title match a year from now, do you think casual fans in mass are going to be thinking, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second, sir. <laughs> I was excited about this match, but I just remembered that, that he went Alan... four minutes with a guy yes. that I've never heard of before. Yes, yeah. that's right. I remember when he went two minutes too long with Alan Angles, <laughs> and I just can't buy the idea that this man is in a title match. I mean, Get, get lost. I mean, how off base can Satin be? How many times can that man be so off base in in, in the last in, in a, in a one week span? I mean, a guy is lost. 
Um, but yeah, he's way off on that point. But um, that's the uh, that's the Kenny Omega Allen Angles match. But Rich, I do have to ask you a question. Uh oh. And I know you're not prepared for this. Okay, I'm gonna try though. I'll try to answer as, as definitively as possible. But yeah, go ahead. I like to catch you off guard. You do with with fresh, inquisitive questions. You do like those games. You do games all the time. Now you have this question. Okay, shoot. What do you got? That we've never explored. If you were to guess, Rich, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? 27 and a half. You know, you're close. Damn. Americans have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor. So close. Fuck. In major U.S. cities, if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP for obvious reasons. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab a phone or computer, complete a free online visit. That's free. And you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician, a real doctor. Okay? Not Dr. Jerry Graham. Dr. Oz. uh, (laughs) Not the doctor of thugonomics. Okay? We're talking real doctors here. Within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is Dr. right for Wagner. you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel any time. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash VOW for a free online visit with a real doctor. Not the Doctor of Thugonomics, not Doctor Wagner, not Doctor Wagner Junior. I, I love the idea of Doctor Wagner Junior giving you an ED recommendation. By the way, that sounds incredible. that would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be great if you you know you, you pop up on the video call or whatever. There's Doctor Wagner Junior. You know, he's in a white coat though, obviously, because you know he's, he's he's serious about it. Yeah, I'd like that. That'd be pretty good. Not Doctor Doolittle, you know, Doctor Death, Doctor Death, Steve Williams. No Doctor Death. That'd be good. I mean, that's a good poll if you can get Doctor Death to uh, call you about your ED <laughs> these days. From the grave. Yeah, his tough, dick is tough. Yeah, tough. <laughs> tough his dick get is these stiff, days. Yeah, tough get these days. He's, he's stiff. His dick is stiff. And uh, get the free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash VOW for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Rich, how's this investor call going? Oh, it's going it's going uh, interestingly, I guess is the best way to say it. So uh, the real highlights, and of course, WrestleNomics will, will be on this week as well. And, and and Brandon will do it with actual, like, you know, he knows what he's talking about and understands business and understands these things. But, uh, you know, we, we, could, we could talk big picture stuff here uh, in general. So obviously last week's show we did in the midst of the firings, uh, mass firings across the company. You and I kind of talked about how... Uh, and, and sort of talked about how unnecessary a lot of those were and, and why people saying, well, they had to, they just had to do this. Like, there's just no way they, you know, they, they're not running shows anymore. They can't operate this way without, you know, getting rid of, of, of the amount of money or whatever. And we talked about how ridiculous that was on its face. Last, you can go listen to last week's show if you want, you know, the real truths uh, to that. Well, then we got this, which... For the record, for people that are maybe not knowing or don't re- you know, aren't really following these quarterly reports, Q1 does not include what's going on right now. Q1 does not include what happened last week. This is the report from the quarter one. So this is that, that's all that you really need to worry about. But still, it does tell a tale of where this company is at these days and why the idea that, well, they're not running live shows anymore, so of course they have to get rid of a bunch of talent because they can't afford them anymore, why we thought that was so ludicrous and so absurd. So I'll read this for you. 
Joe, this of course from WrestleNomics at WrestleNomics. You're gonna to want to follow that uh, account the, over over the next week or so if you don't already, which is ridiculous that you don't already. But at WrestleNomics if you haven't uh, already. So it says quote here: Revenues increased ninety percent to two hundred fifty six point six million from one hundred thirty five point four million in the previous quarter. Uh, previous year quarter, primarily due to the escalation of domestic rights fees to Raw and SmackDown and the favorable timing of the company's large-scale international event, Super Showdown, as reflected in the other media ventures. So this is for their total revenues, Joe. So the total revenues, uh, I'll just kind of, this is easy way to kind of clarify this. So this is last year, March, you know, the beginning of the year to March 31st, 2019, to this year. Year yeah, over year. The, yeah, year over year, exactly quarter to quarter. So network, so this is the total revenues, network. Is down. It was at forty-seven million. It's now at forty-three point five million. So that's down. Yeah. Uh, advertising and sponsorship. That's up slightly. Ten point nine, uh, two thousand nineteen. Seventeen point four this year. Not bad. Um, other, <laughs> quote unquote, other. I'm making big air quotes here. A huge jump for other. Other did incredible uh, this year. Uh, Nine point four. Uh, uh, the last uh, quarter or last year, this quarter. Uh, Sixty-two point five million this year uh, for other. I wonder what could have accounted for that. <laughs> Other just, <laughs> just rocking it up here. Uh, and now a big one here. Core content rights fees. $68.1 million year end or, or, or quarter end, 2019. This quarter, 133.2. So total revenues, 135.4 yeah. last year, 256.6 this year. Yeah, you've got... Over double in total revenue. Yeah. Yeah, you've got the the obviously the Saudi one of the Saudi payments came in and the new TV deal, and this is what we've been screaming about. And um, some people listen, others just refuse to listen. The TV deal is so significant, and that it, it that it could carry them through this year, even if they don't sell another ticket, which they might not sell another ticket this year. Even if they don't sell another piece of merch, which they're still selling merch. Now they're selling less merch than they were because obviously there's no house shows and, and all of those things. But they're still taking in other streams of revenue. You still have the network revenue. You still have merchandise. You still have licensing. You still have advertising and those things. And yes, a lot of that is going to be less than it was last year because of everything that's going on around us and less people are watching the TV. And I get all that. But as long as that TV money keeps coming in, they are going to bring in record revenues this year and potentially record profits. That's why so many people are upset with the cuts because the cuts were not made to ensure that they're profitable. We're not made to ensure that they can stay in business. They were made to ensure that they hit their profit projections for quarter two. Now, remember that we're not going to know the results of all that. This is the quarter one call. This is January through through March. It doesn't include WrestleMania. It doesn't include a great deal of the, the pandemic stuff. It doesn't include the cuts were made to help quarter two. But what we're learning, what what, what the quarter one call tells us is just how massively profitable they were uh, in quarter one, year over year compared to last year, and how those TV and, – and hopefully it will show some people who are willing to listen and learn, not the people who are just going to be Vinsels and – just defend the company no matter what they do. Those people are helpless and there's no point even talking to them. But hopefully this shows people who didn't understand the magnitude of these TV deals and how impactful they are to WWE's bottom line and how that money, provided it continues to come in, 
will continue to carry them throughout the year, no matter whether this pandemic stuff continues or otherwise. Right. And I'm going to read some other numbers to you again. So let, let's just re- recap their core content rights fees, 133.2 million in this quarter alone. That's just a quarter. That's three months is what they got paid for just those three months to produce Raw and SmackDown. On How TV. much is that number again? 133.2 million. How's that even pot? That's even larger than we thought. Yeah, it's huge. It's gigantic. It's fucking insane. That's, so now, no, no, no. Then that, okay. So, oh, I'm sorry. That's total television. So that's international. Deals yeah, there. that's everything's kind of included. Yeah, yeah, in gotcha, it. But yeah, gotcha. I mean, of, of course that. Yeah, the big, the big jump there comes from from Ron SmackDown and that sort from of stuff. From the U.S. rights. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, <clears throat> and don't forget, they're still taking in like 40 million a quarter from the network. Right. <laughs> exactly. So right? live events is also a slide here. Live event revenue declined to 17.5 million from 26.2 million in the prior year quarter. Yeah, anyone arguing with you. <laughs> they could never run another show all year. That's a drop in the fucking bucket. 133.2 to 15.2. It's not even a drop in the bucket. It's moving backwards. Right. It's, They'd anyone... be better off never running a I mean, of course, th- that would, you know, th- the idea that never running a live event ever would probably result in the company, yada, 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 whatever. But, like, in, in an absurd, like, just to make an example, if they didn't run a live event, they'd probably be better off this entire year. Well, we're, well, that point's going to be proven. Right. So not running live events. Um, but, you know, and some of these house shows lose money. They lose money. They're loss leaders. You run them to sell merchandise. You run them to keep your name out there. It's, uh, you know, big box retail, keeping open the money-losing stores just because they want one in every town for brand recognition. That's what that is. So it's, it's any, you know, and, and there are people who will make the argument. Well, they had to fire all these people because they had to make up the money that they're losing on house shows. And house shows is such an insignificant part of their uh, revenue that it, it, it just – anyone who makes an argument shows their ass and shows that they don't know what they're talking about. What else we got? All right. So uh, some other stuff here. This is – so the, the North American ticket sales down uh, last year, $24.1 million, uh, to $15.2 million this year. Uh, international ticket sales exactly the same, 0.2 million, 0.2 million. So fucking irrelevant, <laughs> completely irrelevant. Uh, advertising and sponsorship, 0.4 million down uh, to 0.1 million. I mean, we're just These talking are nothing. These are nothing. They're right. nothing. This company doesn't. None of this shit matters anymore. <laughs> it's the TV money. Right. Period. We how how can we make it more clear? They can lose all of this, all of it. And just be insanely profitable on the TV money alone. Right. They lost. Okay. Actually, this is an interesting thing here. They lost $3.2 million doing live events in quarter one. This is what I'm talking about. They lost money. <laughs> right. They lost money doing. So people who try to make that argument, oh, well, they got them. They're better off not doing the house shows. They make, they, 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 it's advantageous for them to not run house shows. Now, you can argue that that hurts them on the merchandise line. So you'd really have to get granular there and dig in deep. And, you know, maybe they make up the losses on the house shows with the merchandise money that they make at the house shows. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. I, I, it's not true. I mean, for people, anybody, somebody could make that argument. But if you actually look at it, I don't think that is even close. But even if true, it isn't, but... but again, even if that is the case, it's not a significant amount. No, of we're money talking, we're talking little out. bits of money here at this point. This company, when they signed those TV deals, I said it last week, they ceased to be a live event wrestling, whatever the hell you want to call it, business. They're not that anymore. These other numbers we're talking about are nothing. They're completely insignificant. Look, Okay, here's an, a perfect example. This, again, comes from from their deck, but at WrestleNomics, put it up here nice and easy for us. Uh, last year, this quarter, media, 135.4. That's 
whatever, 135.4 million. This year, 256.6 million. There, okay? So that's that. Live events, 26.2 million, 2019. 17.5, 2020. I mean, that is a fraction. Consumer so wait, products. I'm, I'm confused. Then what was the number you gave me before? For I'm not sure. I don't know. I, that, that, it might be – they have weird sort of market uh, – the way that they classify these. I have no idea. I think this is revenue. This is overall is that, revenue. I think the other thing was whatever. So, Well, it may have been – see, I know that they like to break out the – like without Royal Rumble, then the live events may have lost money. But I right, think right. Royal Rumble – carries them through i'd have to i'm not looking at it you are but i'd have to look yeah at I'm, it. I'm kind of seeing as, as as things are going i'm just mostly trying to give people an idea of how little and insignificant everything besides media is for this yeah company. which is the, which is the the larger point that you're making is that all of these numbers are you know the proverbial small potatoes compared to the tv revenue yeah i mean consumer products which is merchandise and every other little thing here uh 20.8 million 2019 it went down to 16.9 in terms of total revenue. But again, we're talking yeah. 256.6 million, 17.5 million, 16.9 million. Here's what's not going away. The network, people may cancel it, they may lose some network revenue, but it's not going to go to zero. Okay? So they're going to make somewhere around 40 million a quarter on the network, give or take. Okay? And the TV money. Okay? Now, somewhere during this call, and I think the call is over, and I know we're doing this live. Did Vince McMahon or did anybody question Vince McMahon or did they bring up on their own the possibility of losing the TV money? So I, I did see the quote here. Let me let me fire up the exact quote. He said that they have our back and we have their back was was exactly okay. the quote that he said. So let, let me find the exact to, word while you're going on here. But. If that's the case, I don't want to hear a word because that's the other counter argument you hear. Well, what if they lose the TV money? Well, if they lose the TV money, then the game changes and obviously – you have to support the cuts and anything that they need to do to stay alive and stay in business. That all makes sense. But we have no indication that Fox and USA are pulling those deals, restructuring those deals, changing those deals. And the counter argument to that has been, well, we won't know until the quarterly call. Maybe that news will break on the quarter. Okay, well, today's the day. Okay, and I'm open-minded to that. If there's some provision in USA or Fox's contract that says if you don't hit – you know, X amount of viewers or, or, or a demo number, we can adjust or even rip up the deal, then I totally understand making cuts. But if that were the case, believe me, Rich, they would have made more cuts than they made because saving $4 million a month in the salaries and whatever else was tied into that, it, it, it's not even a fraction of the amount that they would need to reduce to make up the loss of their television. That was your hint right there that they weren't losing TV. Let alone the fact that if they there was a possibility that they were losing their TV contracts, don't you think Vince McMahon, of all people, who's never been afraid to blame someone else for his troubles, wouldn't have been screaming from the roof of Titan Towers underneath the money in the bank ladders, okay, that the, that the, that the TV, uh, that, that USA and Fox were picking on poor little Vince McMahon and stripping me of my TV deals and I have no choice. And if, and if, and if you want to get mad at me for laying people off, get mad at them because they're taking away my TV money, which we signed in good faith. And now they're yanking away. Don't you think he would have been saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a man who once devoted an entire episode of Raw to uh, make fun of the Nuggets owners because the Nuggets owners double booked the building for the playoffs and told – WWE, they, they couldn't run here. Remember remember that? The Cronky yes. episode of Raw? Cronky. Where the entire episode was. God damn, he has no faith in the Nuggets. Ah, nah, nah. There's one idiot, one more. 
Like, and they found a new building. You know, they found a new building in five minutes. It wasn't a big this deal. This is a man who loves to deflect the blame. Why would he have taken all of this bad heat and all this bad PR for the last week when he could have easily blamed the TV networks if that was the case? That was red flag number two, that that was bullshit and that there was no basis behind that. Number one, you would have cut way more than $4 million a month because that's not going to help you make up the – what was that increase? It was over 100%. It was like 130 yeah, million. It's an ungodly, yeah, an ungodly amount of number. Double, over double for sure. Which, which works out to what? Uh, uh, what? A, a 40 million increase per, uh, uh, per, per month. And they only cut 4 million. So again, you're only cutting 4% of what you're potentially losing. So and, that and, and they paid out a $5.5 million dividend. Uh, this, well, of course they paid out the dividend. <laughs> but, you and, know, and, <laughs> relevant, and, I'm sure. And, they, and, and for quarter two, they made sure these cuts were to ensure that that stayed at 12 cents. That's the bottom line. How can you not see that? You know, that, that, that's why the cuts were made. Not, to, to ins- not even to ensure profitability, to ensure projected profitability. Okay? Just admit what it is. And then if you want to defend – protecting shareholders over protecting people in these extraordinary circumstances, go right ahead. I'll disagree with you, but at least then you're being intellectually honest and you're not trying to change the argument and say that they need this to survive and they lost $25 million in Tampa and they're not doing house shows and all this bullshit, which just shows that you don't know what you're talking about. Because even if, even by losing $25 million in Tampa by not doing WrestleMania in front of fans, they're still going to uh, produce about $900 million in revenue this year. doesn't matter. I don't want to hear about the money that they've lost at WrestleMania or anywhere else because we still know what they're bringing in. So what they've lost becomes irrelevant at that point to the larger picture. Just be intellectually honest about right, it. Right, right, right. Just don't don't say that this is because they're like, oh, man, how are we going to make payroll this? Oh, no. It, it was, we need to make sure that the, Vince has a quote in there where they talk about the cuts. And, and, and I, I just closed out of the window, so I don't know the exact thing. But he essentially yeah. said, we're being overly uh, conservative because cash is king, is what his, his, his right. response was. While Not- also saying that he has a good relation. You, the quote you gave was that, they have a, that he has the network's back and, they have, and the network has their back. Right. So there is no indication. No indication today on this call given that there is any sort of danger of losing those TV deals. None. And that's, and that's my point. Now, to me, you could truly go guns blazing on these guys because that's the only circumstance that I would have defended any, any of these cuts. Because then, okay, our, if they lose the TV deals, Rich, they're fucked. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I, I assume that when these things were coming out and when the announcements of, of uh, uh, talent cuts were coming out and all these things were going nuts and the XFL went away, I was thinking, oh, fuck. Like, Vince must have heard something. Like, Vince has some idea. But I find out, nah, it's just, you know, I just got to cover dividends. You know, <laughs> you know just, uh, I just want to make sure everybody has it. So I initially, like, stupid me thought, wow, geez, something might be happening here for all this stuff to happen. But no, it's just, you know, got to pay out yeah. our, our, our 12-cent dividends, so. Again, well, that's the thing. If they would have made, if they would have cut forty million dollars, then okay. But they cut four million dollars, and 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 you know they they project to save what was it, one hundred twenty or one hundred forty million by not building the new office. Mm-hmm. But that's that's money rich. That's money in the air. That's not even real money because you haven't spent it yet. You see what I'm saying? Like that's just putting something off. Okay, you're. You're telling us you're not going to spend money that you were planning on spending. Those aren't like true. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You see what I'm getting at with that. So, you know, yeah. So today here, here's what you learned. Okay. 
if you were defending WWE on the basis of, well, they got to make up house show money or this or that, now you know that's bullshit. And the other thing you learned was the TV deals don't appear to be in danger. So people can't use that argument anymore. Uh, well, we don't know what's going to happen with the TV deals. Well, Vince doesn't think he's losing them because if he thought he was losing them, he'd tell us. You know, it, so um, – and I don't hear a peep out of USA or Fox. Wouldn't we have heard something out of their end if they were looking to wiggle out of some of their TV contracts, right. WWE or otherwise? We haven't heard anything to that to that effect. So again, there's no evidence to that. So, you know, based on what you're telling me, because I haven't looked at anything yet, this is a bad day if you supported that stuff last week. It's a bad day for you. It's a bad day for your arguments. And it's just a bad day if you were playing uh, devil's advocate. You know, and, and the other argument people like to make, well, you don't know what their expenditures are. Yeah, we do. We do you it's, fucking dumbass. We do. They're a public trading company, you moron. It's all there, you Jesus you know? Christ. I know. I see those. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. It's their publicly traded company. <laughs> of course we know. We know what their <laughs> revenue and their profit. People, oh, well, revenue doesn't equal profit. You don't know what their expenditures are. <laughs> yes. But we know. We know what they made last quarter. We're going to know what they made second quarter. And, and you know, second quarter, when it turns out that they made a profit, despite the fact that they didn't have WrestleMania, despite the fact that they didn't sell a ticket, you know, do you think these people will learn then? Or do you think – I just think they're hopeless. Yeah, I think they hopeless. will defend the company until they're in the grave. You know, it's – it's you know, this is not this, – this quarterly call was interesting, but the next one is going to be the real interesting one when – they're able to – when Vince is able to get on that call and proudly proclaim that they hit their profit uh, projection and that they're able to pay out the dividend as expected and all this and that, despite the fact that uh, a lot of these fans are crying poverty for the company and saying that this was necessary and everything else. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So that's that. As I said, uh, some stuff coming out uh, a little bit, but nothing too salacious or, or, or interesting. No WWE 2K game uh, this year. They announced that that is not happening, So, uh, which is probably good because they've been a disaster lately. That's but, no, well, that's but that's a lot of money a, in the wrestlers' pockets, too, that's now gone, too. So that's, that kind that's, of sucks I was well. just going to say, that's wrestlers losing money, and it's also another excuse for people. To, oh, well, you got a cup deal. You're not getting that 2K revenue. Again, failing to understand it, it the TV money is all that matters. We uh, Look, can I make this clear? It's – look. We understand that they're, that they're not making some money that they would have made. That's not the counter argument. Of course, here. yeah. They're, they're going to – they're losing – I don't want to say they're going to lose money, but they're losing money. They're, they're going to make less than they did in this quarter. Yes. Q2 but, is going to be down from Q1. While still being insanely profitable. <laughs> still making $200 million that quarter, yeah. And by possibly profiting more than they made last year without the pandemic. Because of the t- – that's how significant the TV deals are. And I really don't think that some people have – have understand that or, or and that hasn't sunk in with some people. It's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, it just seems to be the, the, the same company it is. Like you, you need to turn off your – this is not 1996 WWF. You, you know, this isn't Vince taking out a loan so that they can, you know, pay – this. They're, they're not that company anymore. They're not, they're not what they were. They're a TV company now. They produce television for major networks. You know, that's what they do. Yeah, that's their I, thing now. <laughs> like, if you don't realize that, then okay. Like, I don't know. What, you're hopeless. You're lost. You know, you don't know what you're doing anymore. How about this one? Well, they don't have $500 million in cash reserves. They have $5 million in cash and debt capacity. Well, first of all, <laughs> WWE are the ones out there trumpeting that they have that $500 million. 
That's number one. Right. So a lot of companies don't have that either. Have. A lot of companies don't even have that benefit. But so, and yes, it is a combination of cash reserves and debt capacity. Okay, but it's ninety million allegedly in the cash reserves. Now, still, they're saving four million a month for ten months on salaries. Rich, again, I'm not fucking. I'm not. I'm not. Who's the Who's the gimmick? I always forget his name. The guy in the wheelchair. The guy that just died. The physicist Hawking. I'm no Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Stephen Hawking. I don't. Okay. I'm no mathematician, but what's four million times ten months? It's forty million dollars, right? Thank you. I was hoping you didn't actually want me to answer that because I was thinking in my head, "Oh no, <laughs> that's why I do so this." Even, so even if they only have the ninety million in cash reserves, they could have allowed these people to keep their jobs in a pandemic where there are no other jobs, record unemployment. Okay. And still had fifty million to spare in their cash reserves. So that's not a compelling argument to me either. When you tell me, "Oh, it's really only ninety million dollars in liquid assets. The rest is debt capacity." They don't even have to dip into the debt capacity just to cover the the the, the four million in salary that they cut, and they'd still have fifty million left over. It's it, that's just again, this is a doing the right thing argument. This isn't a. Maxima if, if your argument is they should maximize every dollar, fine. But right. We won't argue with that. We will not I, I and, and that's what like people think that we're arguing that or whatever. No, just be if 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 you want to say, well, they have a fiduciary, you know, uh, duty to their st- uh, stockholders, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like I agree. I'm with you. I think it's fucking crass and awful. But yeah, that's what they're doing. But just call spade a spade. Don't yeah, tell just, me this is a company looking for their pockets going, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We got to let we gotta let Drake Maverick go. We can't. We can't. No, they're just, you know, ah, what, what do you, ah, cut that $4 million or whatever. Let's go. <laughs> like, you know? Forget Drake Maverick. You know, forget even put the wrestlers aside. I'm talking about the people whose the names office, you yeah. never know. The, the fucking office workers. The dot-comers. The, the, yeah, the, 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 the live event workers. The, the, the lighting crew. You know, those sort of guys that are, are, are out on the streets now. Those are people going into a jobless economy. And I'm sure they gave them all a little check. I'm waiting for mine. But I'm sure they gave them all a little check to go into this jobless economy. But that that's – they could have – the point here is they could have kept them on and had the, the cash reserves to do so if you want to play that card and say, oh, it's not really $500 million, It's $90 million. Well, it's still more than enough to cover that. They could have kept all those people employed. you know, And, and that just would have constituted doing the right thing. And dipping into your cash reserves a little bit, which would that be the worst thing in the world to do in this current situation when, oh, by the way, there's no evidence that any other wrestling company on earth has cut a single human being yet. But this, but these guys who are going to, they're going to gross more revenue than all these other wrestling companies combined. They're the ones out there firing people. And you're okay with that. If you're okay with that on the basis of they need to do this to survive, you're, you're a fucking idiot. There's no other way to describe you. You'll just be honest about the argument. That's all. And then we could just disagree. All right. So have you, have you seen any of the XFL stuff here with Vince? This is this is also weird. And it actually, it plays into the overall point, too, because a lot of people were bringing up, well, uh, because of the XFL or whatever. Because, well, first off, no, <laughs> that's not true because they have had to make it clear, make it clear the entire time that, that, that they are separate companies, they're separate businesses, whatever you want to say, all that sort of stuff. But it is 
there, there's some stuff. Uh, so not all the details are out of this lawsuit yet. A lot of stuff has been kind of covered up because it's 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 still kind of in uh you know it's still getting worked out and some stuff still covered or whatnot. But essentially, what happened is so the XFL we talked about it last week, you know, filed bankruptcy. What we now found out is this was I think two days ago this happened that Oliver Luck, who was the C, uh, uh, what, what was his what was exactly his title. I forget. He was the, the head of the XFL, but I forget what his, his exact I commissioner. His exact... I guess he was just commissioner. Maybe that was it. I, I don't maybe know that his, was the title. I don't know his official title, but the bottom line, he was number two. Yeah, so he, he was the number two guy here. So, um, yeah, in his ran lawsuit. The, ran the football end. Vince ran the business end. He was number two to Vince. Right. So uh, days after the XFL announced it was canceling its season, firing all employees, and filing for bankruptcy, its former commission filed a, uh, commissioner filed uh, a wrongful termination lawsuit against owner Vince McMahon in federal court. Uh, in his lawsuit, former XFL commissioner Oliver Luck alleges through his attorneys that McMahon owes him the money he was guaranteed when he signed out with the startup league in May 2018, believed to be approximately $20 million. Uh, Mr. Luck wholly disputes and rejects the allegations set forth in the termination letter and contends that they are pretextual and devoid of merit. So... I'll read on a little bit, and then there's some extra details that, that, that people have kind of added up here. But uh, McMahon is the CEO of the uh, WWE and the owner of Alpha Entertainment, the former parent company of the XFL. Uh, in its bankruptcy filing, Alpha Entertainment claimed it had liabilities of $10 million to uh, $50 million and up to 5,000 creditors. Luck was not listed among one of them in the filing. So and this is where the interesting stuff comes up here. This is from uh, uh, Jerry McDivitt, the uh, McMahon's lawyer, famous, famous wrestling lawyer here. Uh, Oliver Lux Services as commissioner and CEO of the XFL were terminated by a letter sent to him on April 9th, which explained the reasons for his termination. As to the lawsuit he filed, his allegations will be disputed and the position of Mr. McMahon will be set forth in our response to the lawsuit. So interesting note there, April 9th. That is before the XFL filed bankruptcy. And yes. before they suspended the season. So Oliver Luck was fired, and then the next day they said we're done and we're filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. So he is technically not owed any in that case, he was terminated. His contract was terminated, and now in bankruptcy court he he is not listed among the creditors. Right. Sleazy. He's not gonna get his his, his contract. A sleazy um paperwork move to try to wiggle out of what you owed him, basically, is what you're getting at. Yeah, here. pretty much. I don't even know, like, there's got to be some kind of, like, uh, statute of limitations on the amount of time between you lay someone off and then you file for bankruptcy. You have to think he's protected in some manner from a maneuver like that, right? It can't be that easy because why wouldn't these businesses just, um, you know, why wouldn't you see, why wouldn't this be more commonplace? Why wouldn't you just fire everyone that's owed some salary or bonuses or whatever the case may be. And you really never see that. So I would think that now look, I'm no expert in this. I'm just trying to use logic and common sense. Uh, I would think that he's going to get his fucking money. That guy's got to get his money. Right. Or if he doesn't, it can't be because they laid him off the day before. I mean, this really sounds like some bullshit. It also sounds like something that McMahon and McDevitt would pull if they knew they can get away with it. Um, man, that's, that is dirty. I guess we can kiss goodbye even, I mean, I've seen some people say, well, you can't completely write off 2022 just because they're, well, you can forget it now. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they they owe all these different people money and they fucked over everybody in the legitimate football world. Unlike last time where they just tried to do it on their own. Um, this is bad. So, uh. 
a lot of coaches too, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Bob Stoops is on there. Mark Tressman is on there. Um, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, the city of St. Louis is on there. Um, for use of the dome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the St. Louis Sports Commission, one point six million for them. Uh, Bob Stoops, Robert Stoops, <laughs> one million for him. Mark Tressman. Seven hundred seventy-seven thousand Ticketmaster, six hundred fifty-five thousand. Uh, the forty-seven brand, that's the, uh, the sporting wear uh, good brand, uh, eight hundred forty-six thousand. Hey, you think if? Let me ask you a question. If do you think if uh, if the XFL never became a thing and never happened and didn't shut down due to the pandemic and Vince didn't earmark three years worth of money, um, you know, and, and and then sell all that stock and then open up Alpha and all that, do you think? They cut all of those people last week. See what I'm getting at there? Yeah, no, I, I, one, one hand is definitely playing into the other. Um, Do you think all of this is just mounting on top not. of this man's shoulders? I've got all these losses. I've got all these losses. I've got an unsure future. I, do, do you think in a world where the XFL never existed, do you think they hold off on the on, on those cuts last week? Or do you think it all plays into each other? I think they all play into each other. I stock do. price dropping like a stone. It's all got to be weighing on them. I mean, that stock was worth. Did they ever hit a hundred points? They were close. If they, they were didn't. pretty close, I don't remember if they exactly did. But, but now yeah. it's in the thirties. I mean, it dipped. Didn't it dip into the high twenties, and then they made the cuts, and it bounced back to like thirty-three or thirty-four dollars right. a share. I don't have the exact numbers, but you know, still, I mean, I'm talking about seventy dollars a share up in smoke. You're talking about the money earmarked for the XFL. You're talking about you're going to get sued for a lot of that money and probably lose a lot of these cases. Um, you know, so I feel like it's not just strictly the loss of revenue on the wrestling end that's weighing on him. And, it, it, you know, it, it, it's possible that maybe these cuts never happen if the XFL never happened. Maybe right. that's a huge trickle down. Well, there's also <laughs> this, which is just the sleaziest part of this entire thing, and I can't wait till this stuff kind of comes out a little bit more. But uh, this is from the deal.com. I don't know anything about the deal.com, but it appears to be a, a mildly reputable thing. And, and Dave Meltzer actually alluded to this uh, on this morning's uh, Wrestling Observer Radio as well. And, and a lot of people, I think, didn't notice this or just completely passed people by. But uh, th- this came out. So this, uh, this article is dated April 13th, uh, 2020. In a declaration, Alpha President and COO uh, Jeffrey N. Pollock, who is so. So Vince is the owner of Alpha Entertainment, but this man is the president and COO of Alpha Entertainment. Okay, makes sense. Right. right. Uh, said that a three point five million dollar new money debtor in pre- uh, in possession loan from McMahon, founder of World Wrestling Entertainment, would allow the Stanford, Connecticut based league to fund payroll and conduct a sales process. Uh, the loan calls for approval of bidding procedures by May fifteenth and a sale by July fifteenth. So people don't really know what's going on. There is essentially Vince McMahon when he realized the league was going out of business and everything wasn't going to happen. Said, "Here, you know what I'm going to do? I will give." <laughs> I would give Vince McMahon was going to give Alpha Entertainment out of his cash. He was going to give Alpha Entertainment a loan so that they could get through the sales process and fund payroll in those final days. But in those final days, Joe, gosh darn it, they declared bankruptcy. And man, guess who's a creditor on the XFL bankruptcy? You're telling me Vince McMahon is listed <laughs> as a creditor on the XFL yep. bankruptcy? Holy you goddamn shit. right he is. Yep. So he's trying to get back some of his own money. A little double dip, a little double dip there from old Vince. How is that legal? <laughs> like that is, it seems completely illegal. Like I'm nuts. Like when I read these things, because I don't care. Like I know nothing about normal businesses. I don't follow other stocks or anything. Like I, I'm an idiot. 
I know I could tell you the entire like card of the 1989 you know SummerSlam, but I can't tell you one fucking thing about the stock market or other businesses. But every time I read these things from Vince and, and WWE, I'm like, man, is every company doing this? <laughs> like everybody's doing this seems so illegal, right? That the owner of Alpha Entertainment infused Alpha Entertainment with a personal loan, and then declared ba- and then Alpha Entertainment declared bankruptcy, so that that man who who gave the loan. Which is a huge loan, three point five million. That's all in the credit there. That's all in the bankruptcy filing. That man now is is the t- the lead creditor <laughs> of the XFL bankruptcy. Uh, is the owner of Alfred Tavent, Vince McMahon. Unbelievable. <laughs> but but what would be the? Uh, I'm trying to figure out what the hustle is though. Um, I mean, what is he? Is he going to attempt to get? money back from alpha entertainment but then it like what would be the hustle why would yeah i don't know i don't know enough about business to know the hustle there's a hustle here somewhere maybe you get more maybe you get in i i have no idea what the hustle is somebody smarter than us has to explain to me okay because number one if he was thinking about shutting down he wouldn't have given the loan to alpha to begin with that's number one but number two i'm trying to work out my brain if it is a scam what's the scam why not just hold on to the money in that case? So it, it, is it one of those deals where maybe uh, the more creditors that there are, the harder it is for other creditors to get their money? In other words, was he willing to take a $3.5 million loss so that Alpha could go to court and say, we don't have enough money for anyone? Right. Do you see what I'm getting at? But again, that seems to be that's the only angle I can think of. So he's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll take a three point five million dollar hit, but I'll save multitudes of millions on top if Alpha is deemed unable to pay any. You, you see what I'm saying in in, in court. I, so other than that, I don't see a hustle. I don't get it. But maybe there's a listener who could explain this better. I because I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Either way, I mean. And if he gave the loan knowing he was going to shut it down, he's just, no one could be that stupid, especially him. I, I, I don't I'm, – I'm a little lost on that yeah, one. Yeah, I, I, he's making out some way. Whether it's it, – and the other thing with the classic Vince McMahon thing is like you said, he might eat $2 million or $3 million so that other people won't make money because that is what he would do because <laughs> that's what this man does. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's – who knows, man? It's so bizarre. <laughs> Keep an eye on this thing, though. Keep an eye on on, on this uh, XFL lawsuit and lawsuits, I should say, because there's going to be more down the road here, for oh, sure. Yeah. This isn't it's it. On for years. And you know, for people that don't know anything about Oliver Luck, and this you know just doesn't relate to a lot of wrestling stuff, but this is Vince. Like Vince can never, ever, ever, ever go back into the sports world again. No. I mean, Oliver Luck is a very well respected. Second or third in the line of the NCAA for a while. Former college commissioner. I forget what I think it was. I forget what 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 um what league he was running. But yeah, this is a guy who's he's a lifer. He, he's 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 a football lifer and has been around in football management for years and years and years. And he's just absolutely being fucked <laughs> royally by Vince McMahon. Like, listen, it's Vince over. Is, Vince is seventy five years old, and I believe he scratched the itch because he has the excuse of the coronavirus for why it failed this time. Right. And whether that's true or not doesn't matter because I think in his brain, the coronavirus is to blame. It was nothing he could control. 
And I think that this itch he's been trying to scratch, he is now satisfied. So I don't think it matters to him that he's burning all of these bridges because he's not going to try it again. Quite honestly, he doesn't have a ton of time to try. I mean, the guy's not going to live to be 150. So I, I think that doesn't matter in his, in his in his mind. All of these years, for the last 20 years, he's been thinking, I've got to redeem myself on this football thing. I, I can make it work. He saw a window with TV rights fees exploding for sports. He, he, you know, it was good timing. No one knew this was coming. I still don't think it was going to work. It's just, we talked about it a million times and we don't need to relitigate it, right? For all the reasons that we gave before, I didn't think it was going to work, but I think this was a good window to at least try it. For sure. And I think that in his mind now, he's at peace with this now. I think he can die in peace, at least in his own mind, because, well, there was outside forces. Right. We, we were on the right path. We were doing everything we needed to. But, yeah, it, it just didn't yeah didn't work. Last time, he knew the failure was a lot on his shoulders. It was a bad approach. And, you know, and, 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 and he couldn't live with that. So he had to try it again. And this was his out. So, I, I you know, the fact that he burned luck, I, I agree with you. That Forget it. He's... Vince is persona non grata with legitimate football people now, but I don't think it matters because I don't think that there's not going to be a third attempt. Right, right, right. That's it. Yeah, he, he's never going to get in that world ever again, and he doesn't have time to get in that world ever again. So, um, yeah, th- this was the last last swing at it, and it's over now. So he's he's a pro wrestling promoter for for the rest of, of history now, for the rest of his life, for sure. Which you and know, it's, I, it probably bothers him too that he never really was. Uh, successful at anything other than the thing that he hates. I mean, he objectively hates pro wrestling. He doesn't even use the words pro wrestling. But they're making he, movies now, Joe. He, he he on the call said that we're going to get more of those. So, yeah, I mean, he Get ready for tries cinematic wrestling. Other, you know, <laughs> he tries all these other things and he's never successful at them and it it probably also eats him alive that He's really only good and successful at, at the one thing that he doesn't really even like. I mean, you know, it's it's a weird kind of thing. It's it's we, like I'm trying to think psychologically how that would affect me. What if you were only good at something you didn't even enjoy? You know, I think that's what pushes him to try supplements and bodybuilding because he loves bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. That's something he loves and he yeah. enjoys. Yeah, 1993 ICO Pro World Bodybuilding Federation. Yeah, for sure. So bodybuilding failed supplements that's a world that he loved it failed he tried to promote boxing yeah i was gonna say the boxing promoter stuff yeah that was a disaster sugar ray leonard donnie lalonde i mean he failed you know and that's sugar ray leonard in the 80s um you know football failed twice You you go right down the line and and he so very badly wanted to be respected in other people's worlds because he has no respect for the pro wrestling world just listen to how he talks about other promoters and how he uh, changed the vernacular of pro wrestling to completely get away from what pro wrestling is because he does not like pro wrestling or the pro wrestling. I can't really blame him for not liking the pro wrestling world. It's a shady, dirty, shitty, carny world, and it always has been. But, you know, he tried to make wrestling something it wasn't. I mean, there's that crazy story from, you know, he, he had brainstormed ideas on how to possibly eliminate the matches at one point. Right. I mean... You know, and it's like 
you know, you know, not calling it wrestling and calling it entertainment, trying to break into all these other fields. This is like if you don't like Vince McMahon, and there's a lot of people who don't. I mean, you, you could probably take solace in the fact this is a very tortured man, you know, whose whose success is derived from something he hates, and he tries to convince himself and everybody else that it isn't even that thing. And deep down, he knows he is wrong. Right. We don't do pro wrestling. We make movies. You know, the famous quote yeah. from Beyond the Mat. Mm-hmm. And deep down, he knows he's wrong. And he can, and he could never get away from it and be highly successful or successful at all at anything else. And I do think that that bothers him. And I think that's what this second attempt at football was. Because he wants to walk in a room with other billionaires and other millionaires and other successful people. And he doesn't want to be the pro wrestling guy because he has deep seated issues with that. You know, he doesn't want to be the guy where the other billionaires kind of chuckle and go, you know, it's pro wrestling. He wants to, he he wanted to make a significant amount of money doing something legitimate, so he could walk in a room and be on the same level as Roger Goodell. Yeah, you know, I got my football league, and I, it, but it never worked out for him. He's I I believe. I wasn't expecting to do a deep dive on his psyche today. Yeah, but we're doing it. Yeah, we always said we were, one day we were going to do an episode for like just three hours, <laughs> just or eight hours, just like we we, we this day. Man, see when he dies, that might be the time we do that. It's just like a nine hour. This is Vince McMahon show, which is is it's fascinating. It's a fascinating yeah, I, man, I, one way I, or another. Yeah, yeah. I, I I believe that that deep down he's he's not completely satisfied with his life, despite all the being a sometimes billionaire. I believe he's not completely satisfied with his life. Um, and I think that's what has driven him to attempt all of these other ventures. Because as wildly successful as he's been in wrestling, why wouldn't you just keep building on that? Why, do you, why does he keep losing money trying other things? You know, I don't think he feels other business people and other billionaires and millionaires respect him because it's wrestling. Because he doesn't respect wrestling. So it's kind of like, he projects that on everybody else. What must they think of me? I come from wrestling. Yeah, that's that's how he pronounces it. I'm the it wrestling too. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 puts a southern draw on it every single time. Every single time he says the word, which is rare, he says wrestling because he doesn't respect it. So he feels like nobody else does either. And the sad part is, is as successfully he could have given wrestling, he could have given it a makeover and changed the perception, but if he would have approached things different, but he didn't, it's almost a self-fulfilled prophecy in a lot of ways because he did nothing to change the reputation and he's been sleazy all along, you know, all the while, whether it's covering up Jimmy Snooka, murdering that girl or, you know, the steroid deal in, in the eighties and nineties, right ref- on through to the every referee trials. Yeah. The referee, uh, pedophiles and yeah, it's, yeah, the, the child molestation cover-up, whatever happened with Rita Chatterton, all of it along the way, right up until today. Owen Hart. Owen Hart. You can go right down. We can name a hundred of them. <laughs> right. We can name a hundred of them and, and, and still have some to spare. I mean, we probably could get to a hundred if we sat here and tried to do it. And it's like, that's on him. If wrestling still has that reputation when he walks into a room, and he feels like people don't respect him as much as the guy who did it selling widgets. That's on him and nobody else. And I think deep down he knows that, and it's hard for him to accept. 
But that's the path he chose. At the end of the day, okay, he is what he hates. He is the sleazy, carny, wrestling promoter. Did it the same way they did. Dirty business, scandals, stabbing people in the back, take no prisoners, don't respect contracts unless they work in your favor. He did it all. He is what he hates, and he knows that, and he's going to die knowing that. That was great. Hey, <laughs> there it is. Coming to, coming soon. We always said one of these days we will have that uh, the large-scale, uh, big-picture uh, Vince McMahon episode. I, I wanted to transition to a read, but I don't know. Is it the right time to do it? Joe, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have one place to go to get it done. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter sends your jobs to over 100 of the web's leading job sites. But they don't stop there. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to find the right people with the right experiences and invites them to apply to your job. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. ZipRecruiter is so effective, Joe, that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. It's more important than ever right now. ZipRecruiter.com, you can do it for free VOW listeners, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, yeah, never been more important for some uh, ZipRecruiter. So, let's talk about, we, we wanted to kind of follow up, because I think one big name came out that, that I think you and I are both pretty excited about. I don't want to say excited. Okay, <laughs> excited is not the right word for a man that, that, that lost a job and got released. A man that... Unfortunately, got released, but we are now excited to possibly see what he'll do. I don't know how the nuance to do it. Whatever. Chris Hero got released. Cassius Ono is no longer a uh, a, a member of, of WWE. Uh, he has t- changed his Twitter account. He's WWE alumni or whatever the hell he's putting on his, his Twitter account or whatever. But all we know is that when all this shit finally goes away, that Chris Hero will be once again return to the non-WWE wrestling world. And what does that mean for you? And what's the sort of the excitement level that you have? With that, like where, where, maybe where's the ideal spot for Chris Hero? What does Chris Hero do? What kind of Chris Hero do we see? Because we talked about when he re-signed with WWE that this was a man who who busted his ass for years and years and years because he loved wrestling, but it felt like there was just no, he couldn't give much more. His body was breaking down. He was getting a little too old. He just couldn't do it anymore. So WWE was the best landing spot for him because he could go there. He could train. He could kind of chill out, calm down, do whatever he needed to do, do all that sort of stuff. And he's his head. And I think you tweeted out as well, a really underrated run. The second run that he's had with WWE, because a lot of people weren't watching NXT UK for good reason, but Really good stuff in NXT UK. Not as much good stuff, you know, obviously in, in main, you know, in NXT and, and obviously nothing in the main roster. But you know, what where do you see Chris Hero moving forward in in three months' time, hopefully, or six months time, a year from now, Joe? What do you see Chris Hero doing on the indies? Do you think he's an important part of the indies? Do you think he's training somewhere? Is he main eventing? What is what is Chris Hero doing in a year's time? I think you're on mute, Joe. Oh, I am no. on mute. There it is. Um, there we go. We've been pretty solid. No, not no real technical issues, but that was our first one. So there you go. Man, I made so many poignant points in that 15 seconds. <laughs> I'm sure. It's incredible. <laughs> they're all wiped away. You know, well, there's no use doing them again. Now. So we'll just move on to two AW then. So that's. Yeah, I think that um, it's important to bring up before we really dig into hero is that that second wave of releases that we were all fearing. 
um, was was uh, way less significant that th- than we thought it would be. Um, Chris Hero obviously was the quote unquote headliner of the second wave of releases. The rest were mostly uh, very very deep. I don't even want to call them NXT wrestlers. More like uh, uh, a lot of them were very deep performance center wrestlers who hadn't even hit the Largo loop yet. So not that their jobs aren't significant, but there was fear that there was going to be a second wave of releases uh, coming, you know, uh, from the SmackDown side of the roster. Right. NXT and SmackDown, we heard is is a mm-hmm. they're all on eggshells. We don't know once that once SmackDown's over, everyone's kind of worried to go back and get back to the locker room to see what's going to happen. And yeah, it didn't it didn't see itself through. As far as television talent, obviously, Hero uh, Tino Sabatelli was second wave. Um, also, the guy that had the brief evolve run, but then Gabe didn't want to use him anymore because. He was like a alt right guy or something. I don't remember the story. Uh, Dan Matha. You're thinking of Don, uh, Dan Matha, right? Matha. Yeah. The drip, drip, drip guy. That awful gimmick. <laughs> remember that gimmick? I do. The drip, drip, drip gimmick. The drip, drip, drip guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he was second wave. Um, and I know I'm probably forgetting a couple of the uh, wrestlers that at least, you know, managed to hit a ring, but um, uh, there were a bunch of uh, PC wrestlers as well. So, and it looks like they're done at least for now with the cuts after that little mini second wave came. And more than likely, those were just names that didn't get announced with the first batch that just didn't get announced until later. I mean, um, you know, whether they just didn't feel those were significant enough names to give the future endeavors to on the website or whether, you know, for whatever reason, because uh, there were plenty of people who were who released who announced it themselves that the company didn't Right, announce. right, right. So, you know, just that even which which leads to my point that it kind of shows you how deep in the pecking order they viewed Chris Hero. Like they didn't even find him worthy. Right. He was with those guys that like there was names I read. I'm like, who the fuck? I've never and I I follow this and I follow NXT and I follow the science. I had no idea who these fucking people. There was like 10 people that I had no idea who they were. And then, oh, yeah, there's Cassius Ono in that list. And I'm like, man, that's that's rough. I'm not, I mean, now, I, I'm more than happy to be corrected if he got a little release on the website. I just – I don't think he did. I don't I recall. Think. Yeah, I don't recall. I, I, I can do a quick check here, but, yeah, I don't uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think, the way people think, found out is he was on the alumni section. A lot of people said, ah, I don't trust that alumni section. That doesn't really mean anything. And then, like, it slowly trickled out, like, four days later. That Oh, yeah, no, he did get released. Huh, all right. It turned out to be right, but to be fair for future reference, they fuck up the website all the time. Right. You really can't trust that. When they're moving people around, it's just a it's a bad button click sometimes, and they put people on the wrong brands, and sometimes they put them in the alumni, but in this case, it, it worked out. I think Deanna Perrazzo got an announcement on the uh, on, on, on the website. Chris Hero didn't. Now, maybe because she had worked a couple Raws. I don't know, but it just seems like a guy who – I mean, he he worked takeovers, Rich. I mean, right. it's not like, <laughs> right. you know, so it's kind of weird. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as him being released into the wild, look, the NXT UK stuff, I I, I know I don't want to be, you know, continue to shout this into a void because none of you are going to go watch it, no matter how many times I recommend it. But it was really good in a way that you wouldn't expect it to be really good because his character work was incredible. Yeah, it really was. And he wasn't going out there having five-star matches, but he was going out there having awesome TV matches. This is, It's the kind of stuff that people are going to discover it in 10 years and be like, whoa, this is this undiscovered Trevor Trove of Chris Hero stuff. But it's right there. And the people who were watching it were telling you in real time, me being one of them, that it, that it was excellent work and excellent stuff. But so he can still uh, 
it, it's not like this guy doesn't know how to wrestle anymore. And, and we know he can go out there and have those long main event caliber matches too. Or, or maybe we don't know that. Am I being unfair? I mean, because there was a point in time where he was looking real washed up. Yeah, that, that, the, final, the final few months of that, you know, his indie run was bad, man. I mean, I saw this guy after an AEW show and like I just seen him walk around after the match and, and just after the show. And it was like, dude, this guy, I mean, his body was, and, and, you know, it's, it's not because like, he just, he, he has a history of back issues anyway. That's been going on for 10 years at this point too. And the dude was working his fucking ass off. Like, you know, I remember talking to him at one point after an AW thing. I just, I forget what I, I bought like a keychain from him or whatever. And I knew that like, he was going to progress. Like he was on progress like the next day. And I'm like, what's your plan? He's like, oh yeah, after this, I'm going to the airport and flying and then just getting off the plane and, and work in progress. I'm like, dude, like that's unbelievable. He's, you know, he's not a spring chicken either. This isn't a 22 year old that we're talking about here. This is a, a world traveled guy that's done a bunch of shit. And like, yeah, he was working. I think one weekend he worked like three shows in like three different countries or something. It was just like, Jesus Christ. Like he was working his ass off because the man loves wrestling. But yeah, it was, it was, it was obvious that that the last few months, his body was just breaking down. He just couldn't, he couldn't handle the indie circuit the way that he wants to use the indie circuit. If you wanted to do once a month, pop into the other place that you really like or whatever, that's one thing. But yeah, he was, he was working his ass off everywhere that would take him because he loves wrestling. And I don't know that he can do that again. I, I don't know. I don't know what the current state of his back or his, his body is, but I have a tough time believing he can do that again. Well, how about the current state of the indies? It's drastically different than the last time he was on it. Right. Uh, last time he was on it, I mean, you go look at the cards he was on. Go look at the people he was working against. He's entering a much different scene. And I know this is a drum that we beat a lot. And I don't want to do that again. And I don't want to pick on specific wrestlers. They're doing the best they can. Um. You know, it's just the scene is what it is. And last time, uh, not only was the was there an incredible scene pre the signing bonanza that we had here in the United States, but Europe was a was a burgeoning scene with all of these new stars and you know RevPro and Progress and WXW and all these promotions were booming at that time as well, and all of these new stars were emerging, and he it was just a much more vibrant scene in terms of equal talent to work with. So I think that'll hurt him too. Is Chris Hero going to get booked? He's going to get booked on every show under the sun. And like you said, he's going to work them. The guy loves wrestling. He's a tape nerd. Uh, He just loves this shit the way that we love this shit. And, you know, and he's going to work as many dates as he can and as for many places, and he's going to work with as many new talents as he can and try to get people over. That's just who he is. Okay. We, because we've seen evidence of that. The problem is the scene he's entering Who's he going to wrestle, Rich? I mean, I saw a lot of people saying, I can't wait to see Chris Hero versus versus Chris Dickinson. And I agree. I would like to see that match. Oddly, that's the only dream match I've seen thrown out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, you can't really come up with many. I mean, you know, you want to see Chris Hero work Alley Cat? I don't. You know, you want to see Chris Hero work uh, Nick Gage? Uh, maybe. It's not going to be the kind of match that that I'm into necessarily, but that would obviously be an interesting dynamic. Um you know, you want to see Chris Hero work Tony Deppin? Maybe you're into that. Yeah, I can't say it fucking... I can't say it's going to sell me a ticket. Um, who am I missing here? I mean, who's he going to work against? I mean, look at the dumpster fire Europe has become. Um, you know, progress is, is so off the map, gets zero buzz. Uh, I'm sure RevPro would love to bring him in and they can match him up with some New Japan guys that are stopping in. And, um, you know, that could be interesting. Um, but I mean, I struggle, especially 
domestically coming up with who exactly he can work with on the indies. Right. I got, I have a lot of guys in like Australia um, that I think, you know, David Starr, a lot of Japan. Starr's an interesting – all right, that's a good but, one. But, yeah, in America, it's like he's either Especially, already faced the guys or – there's just nothing there. Stan House. I mean, <laughs> you, know <what> I mean? <laughs> I mean you, you want to see Chris Hero versus Blake Christian? Does that work work up your dander? How about uh, I, I don't know where to go with it. And again, yeah, and and well, an interesting debate about this too. And I I, I don't know if you were going to come up with this point eventually or, or, or kind of get there. So I, I sorry if I'm stepping on your toes here, but the hope is that now with the infusion of somebody like a Chris Hero back into the Indies and back into the American Indies, that maybe now the the tide rises a little bit. And maybe people do, you know, work a little bit harder. Or, hey, you're booked against Chris Hero, so, you know, we're not doing this this goofy comedy bullshit. You're in there with Chris Hero, so you're going to have a wrestling match. But your worry, and, and, and rightfully so, is that can those guys go to that level? Can the guy, are, are, are people so used now to, to, to uh, you know, the attraction being the comedy and the attraction being, you know, the, whatever it's going to be, that even the infusion of a Chris Hero isn't going to help things? Does a modern indie crowd want to sit through an 18-minute Chris Hero match? I don't – I mean – Or are they waiting for Danhausen to come out? I don't know I, anymore. I'm, yeah, I'm I don't know. The question. I don't know either. Yeah, for the first time, uh, I don't know if I have a good connection to, to you know – Rich, I have no connection to modern indie fans. Right. I'm like, gonna, I know I know AEW. You know, I'm going to go – whenever AEW is back up and running, I'm going to go – there. He'll be there for sure. He'll be there, and he'll have some fucking great-ass matches against whoever. You know what I mean? Like, it, it won't matter because they will book him. I know that in my little world, <laughs> you know, the, the shows that I attend live, I'll be good. You can book Chris Hero against any man that they, they normally book, and things will be perfectly fine. And I'll get a great match, and the fans will love it, and I'll love it, and it'll be good. As far as that, other, other than that, even GCW. I heard a lot of people, oh, it's good that you can go to GCW. I agree. That'll be really cool. But, you know, we're... we're I, I I just don't know. I, I have no idea. I have no connection. GCW anymore. shows. Listen, we applaud them for their success. Those aren't work rate shows. Right. Those That's not the, the, Chris Hero jumping into that world. The assumption is that Chris Hero dropping into that world then rises the tide of that world, and then those guys all. But are those guys really fit to be like, all right, cool, let's go, let's have an eighteen minute back and forth fucking Ski Raver? Right. I, <laughs> That's what I mean. But, like, but here's the thing. Like, let me be clear. I want Chris Hero to do a long scale indie tour. I want that to happen because I think it's good for the scene. And I think more than ever, the American indie scene could use this. And I also think he will elevate some people along the way. I don't know who, maybe a Tony Deppin, maybe, um, I don't think Dickinson needs it, but it can't hurt. Um, whoever you're in your backyard is a good worker who just hasn't been able to totally break through I think he can elevate some of those people. I, I just can't identify who. And I think we need that, and I think that's good, and I want that to happen. What I don't want to happen is Chris Hero to sign with AEW and show up on AEW TV and just skip the indie portion of his return. Because I really think it'd be good for everyone for him to do that, including a lot of the talent. Now, are we going to have to sit through Chris Hero in some comedy matches? Are we going to have to sit through Chris Hero against some people beneath his talent level who just can't hang? Are we going to have to sit through Chris Hero versus fucking, I don't know, Jordan Grace in an intergender fucking... Yeah, we're going to have to deal with all that shit. But I think in the midst of all of that, he he's he will elevate some people if he takes that. And I think he will take that route. I'm confident he's not going to just 
sign with Impact Wrestling and disappear. I I, I think that he's going to hit the scene hard because he loves it and have some fun and, and help raise the profile of some people. And I think that will be the biggest benefit of Chris Hero. Who can he get over? Who can he help get to the next level and and help establish as a legitimate star on the indie scene, um, you know, outside of the people who are doing shtick? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it, I'm fascinated to see what he does. And and I knowing as much as I know about that guy, like as much as I know about you know Chris Hero, I I don't think I I do think that at some at some point he might yeah like you said go to an impact go to an AEW go you know do I really don't think off the bat though I really do this guy we said he loves wrestling I think he's going to do as much as he can as long as his body will let him do it yeah and that might be calling everybody and saying hey I'm free book me and and, and let's see what happens you know whether it be Japan Europe Australia anything like that I I think he's that kind of guy I agree I mean I th- I think he probably has a Cody like list of people he'd like to check off who he's because you know he pays attention. He knows who's out oh, there. Yeah. Oh, he's well aware. You know, he knows who he wants to work with, and it might be names that people might not even recognize or people that are we might not be remembering or thinking about, a little outside the box. Well, he sees a little something in him, and it's like, that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in Chris Hero does a zany tag team match with Alley Cat and Dan the Dad. I, I have no I have zero use for that. And you're gonna get a lot of that too. But you know, it's you know, but it's the promotions that are going to book him with the guys that just need a little boost in profile to get over the top, and a Chris Hero match could do that for him, particularly early in a run. The problem, though, is the timing. When are we going to get it back? And by then, is it going to be a situation where his name has cooled off, or is it going to be opposite, where we haven't had indie wrestling in so long? And oh, by the way, Chris Hero's on the show too. Right. I think it's going to be the latter. I think so too. Yeah, but for me it is. I don't know about. I can't speak for everybody else, but I know I'm fucking ready for for you know it to come back and Chris Hero to be leading it. It sounds fucking great to me. Uh, Mance Warner, I guess, is a guy you could work oh, with. That's, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, again, though, these aren't like traditionally people who style. I mean, Mance Warner is a walking brawl guy, and that's his. And I don't have a problem with that because that's his gimmick. But it's like I'm not saying Chris Hero can't do that, but. Again, I'm I'm struggling to find the perfect fit of who where is the 23-year-old burgeoning super worker who can do a match with Chris Hero in in AAW and then do it in fucking uh PWG and then have the and then do another match in uh New Jersey and then have another match down in Texas. Where's that guy? I, I, I'm at, I'm struggling to identify that guy who can have a series of matches with Chris Hero and raise their profile and become a legitimate star on the scene before they inevitably get vacuumed up by one of the because that's the problem too. People just any semblance of a name or talent and you're getting sucked up because there's so many places that are signing talent, which is what contributed to drying out the scene to begin with and opening the door for the comedy and and the death match. Um, so he's entered. You have Chris Hero, who is a super worker, entering a scene dominated by comedy and deathmatch, yeah. and it's just a weird fit. So I'm I'm going through his cage match right now to look at at, at his his his, mat, his his final kind of uh, 
uh, indie matches that he had. And just just to give you an idea of how much this has changed and how much this scene has changed, here are the names here, Joe. So this this uh, the last match, and, and I'm gonna kind of go down over the last you know month or so of of his indie run or whatever. But his last indie match was January 28th, 2017. Zack Saber Jr. The night prior, Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. His last AEW match, Pentagon Jr. Yeah. Uh, his last Beyond match, Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. His last Wrestle Circus match, ACH. Uh, he could do that again. He could run that back again, I guess. So, uh, Kenny. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, let's see here. Sammy Callahan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Cage. Matt Riddle. Tracy Williams, Katsura I mean, Shibata. Yeah, this, is, <laughs> Shibata. this is what we're talking about, man. Like, I mean, this, this is, is all, what we're talking uh, about. Yeah, Bratorio Ishii, uh, Jordan Devlin. Uh, these are indie matches, people. Trying, this, Drew Gulak. You know. This was the scene. Here's his, his, his lineup tournament, his, his AEW lineup tournament. Zack Sabre Jr., Matt Fitchett, Ali, Kongo Kong. And that's, that's Mustafa Ali, right? Yes, that's, yeah, Mustafa Ali, yeah. If you're wondering. WSW last Kong? match, hey, Zack Sabre Jr. What happened to Congo Kong? I, you know, that's a great question. I asked somebody the other day, and, and I don't ask why I asked somebody the other day, but I asked somebody, and, and they were just like, yeah, I don't know. He just kind of, I don't know. <laughs> he like, still kind of works, sort of, but he works like random shit in like Indiana and random shit in Texas. But like, that's a guy like three years ago that was. He was on Impact. Yeah, right. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean. Tony Nice. Phoenix, uh, I mean Jake something. I mean, I guess that's a name, Jake something. Uh, he could do that again. Um, honestly, that's one of the top guys around. Um, yeah, it's a complete. It's <laughs> the names are going to be a lot different this time around. Um, so that that's. But again, I want it to happen. I think it needs to happen. It'd be good for it to happen, and I hope it happens. Um, but he's also a guy in his forties now. And I can't blame him if he, you know, AEW has almost certainly called him already. The only thing stopping that is that I don't know if he has any kind of weird heat with any of those guys mm-hmm. that I'm not remembering. I don't think like, who would he have heat with? Yeah, I don't. I don't know, but like you know how it is. It's wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, you know, it's like I don't know if. No, he had a match with Cody. Yeah, he had plenty of matches with Cody, so I'm sure. He's and he fine. was on he had plenty of matches with you know. Yeah. I, and he worked – now, did he work a lot of PWG on that last indie run? Because that would tell um, you. I think so, yeah. Let me – I just closed the window. But, I'm, I mean, I remember some PWG matches for sure, so. So it's like that would be the Excalibur Bucks connection there. If he wasn't working a lot of PWG, but I I think that he was. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, though. Let's see. Oh, yeah, plenty, dude. He worked every single show. <laughs> Yeah, 14, 15, and 16, he worked what appears to be every single PWG show. So And the door's wide open for AEW. And, you know, he's a guy, he'll keep working for Gabe. You know, and, and you know, he was working for Gabe while he was working for WWE. So, and happy to do it. So he's a guy who will go to Evolve and, my God, if they don't, if they don't need an injection of Superstar, then who does? You know, so, you know, he'll work everywhere. Confident in that. Um, you know, and there's, there's some guys, look, he could work with Josh Briggs and evolve. I don't know if that works you up. The point here is you're going to have various opinions on all of these matches. Josh Briggs, 
um, who he worked already actually in Evolve. They had a long feud, so mm-hmm. that's not even fresh. Um, Josh Briggs, Tony Deppin, Chris Dickinson, Nick Gage, you go right down the line. Um, some others that we named. Your, your mileage may vary on all of them. The overall point, though, is not to disparage any of these names. It's if this were when Chris Hero was on the Indies last time, these would all be second or third tier names. But these are the frontline names now. And then when you go a little deeper, it gets real dire. And you're getting into people who may be talented, but if you're going to book Chris Hero, you're not booking them against, you know, a third tier name on this scene. You wouldn't waste the booking on that. And it's just, it, 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 I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. And, and Europe is a mess. And, um, you know, even Australia has kind of been picked clean in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh, with um, Slex being with ROH now and, and, and a lot of the um, – this wouldn't affect Chris Hero, but the, the Oceania women really got picked clean over the last five years or so. They're all here. Whether they're signed or they're working indies, the women's scene got – just completely destroyed. My girl Avery is still over there. She needs to get signed though. I'm signing Avery tomorrow. If I'm running <laughs> AEW. That's a different argument, but like, you know, it, it, you know, Vink, Vink is over here now. And, and, and uh, Shane Haste is still over here and Slex is signed and you can go right down the line. Um, you know, Australia low key got kind of picked apart too over the last couple of years. Once people figured out what was going on over there. So, uh, you know, Robbie Eagles getting hooked up in New Japan and, you know, you go on and on. But, um, you know, as far as, you know, Chris Hero, I think the obvious destination, long-term destination is AEW. I think New Japan is wishful thinking and I would love to see it, but they never seemed interested in him when they had a crack at him. Right. And, and you know, we'll, we'll call a spade a spade here uh, again is the way New Japan signs people and pushes people. I don't know that Chris Hero has the uh, the look or the body of the people. Like I'm just I'm just calling it like it is. You know, well, it, it's look. It's a it's we talk about it all the time. It's it's you know it's a uh, matinee idol promotion. They're maybe. everybody. I mean, for the with the exception of Tomohiro Ishii, everybody else is a uh, good looking or cut or like yeah they they have a certain look that they like that they appreciate, man. So yeah. that's nothing against. I mean, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't give I don't give two fucks what Chris Hero looks like because he's Chris fucking Hero. You know, I said like you know you go to you go to a show with him and and he comes out and I, every time I'm with a, a fan that that either doesn't you know know too much or has never seen him before they go oh geez what is this guy he's kind of fat and I go okay well just you know and then he he does a kip up and then a drop kick and then he fucking throws an elbow and I'm like yeah who gives a shit nobody cares <laughs> like it doesn't matter but to that company you know well how about the idea that their American expansion is much further along now and he's you know a strong no I agree I mean I I would have no problem with it. I would sign no, him, I mean, but I, I just I'm saying I would temper my expectations on that. I mean, they've had chances at him before, and they've right. never really seemed to be too interested. In his prime, they could have had a shot at him, and he was working Noah. So yeah, that's what I mean. And and even as recently as 2016 through 2017, I think it was right there. I mean, so if they haven't shown interest before, what would change their mind when he's 41, 42 years old? Um, with that said, would it stun me if he showed up and worked like? And he was like in a G1 block or something as a one-off or no, it wouldn't surprise me. And I would love to see it. There's just so many fresh matches there. I mean, that's where the fresh matches are a place like that. Um, You know, AEW, I think he'd have a bunch of fresh matches. I mean, 
when has he ever wrestled someone like Lance Archer or or uh, when has he ever wrestled like uh, Kenny Omega? Yeah, I don't or know if he ever has. Omega, Hangman yeah. Page, or you know, you go right down the line. He's got a ton of fresh, fresh stuff to do there. Someone in our uh, our chat actually had a good idea. I think it was Kyle Olson. I want to say had it in the chat, and uh, I hate. Uh, I hope yeah, Kyle. It was Kyle Olson. Okay, that said, it'd be really cool to have you know him get signed by AEW, but then they allow him to work the indies kind of as a talent scout type thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, of course. I mean, there's a lot of guys in AEW who, like, Cole Cabana has a deal like yeah, that. Yeah, right, right, you right. Know? And it's like, you know, they – so, yeah, I could totally – yeah, I think – I'm not saying he will sign exclusively with AEW. Right, or I, even if they do sign him, allow him to kind of spread his wings. Because I think this is a guy who would very easily get bored just doing – I think he's perfectly fine doing week-to-week, you know, television show uh, – television wrestling or whatever. But I think yeah. he'd get itchy and want to say, hey, you know what, I'll go over to, you know – in New Zealand and work the show or whatever, and they probably they'd be smart to say, you know what, yeah, go ahead and, and let us know what you find. You okay, know? let's 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 do it. Let's make this a game. Let's do the let's do an exercise. Oh, these are yes or no answers. I don't want to hear wishy washy bullshit. I don't need explanations. I want yes or no. Ready? And I'm going to name a wrestler. Okay. You you tell me whether AEW has called them. Okay, that's yep. the, that's what we're doing. Got it. Chris Hero. Yes. They've made the call. Uh, Rusev. Yes. I agree. Matt Cardona, the former mm. Zack Ryder. Maybe a, maybe a text. <laughs> maybe a text. I think they've called him. I think last week when we talked about it, we forgot that he's real tight with Cody. That's true. And remember the rumors when his contract was coming up that Cody, you know, was gonna he was gonna defect. With with Spears, those were the two guys, Sean Spears and Zack Ryder. Remember all that? And then one left and one didn't. So, I think we blew that last week when we talked about the cuts. So I'm gonna go yes on him. And I broke the rules of the game. I gave an explanation. That's fine. That's fair. That's fair. But you had to, you had to clarify your your stance there. So that's fine. And I wanted to admit that we fucked up last week, um, which happens very rarely. So we're we're more than willing to actually admit it when when we do fuck ups because the once there once or twice a year where we do get something wrong, we we want to you know be transparent about it. So, Diana Perazzo. No. Oh, uh, sarcastic no. You that was like a blow. That wasn't just a no. This is what you said. No, like <laughs> how dare you ask me that? Like like. Like, are you kidding me? That was a that was an are you kidding me? No. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I well, here's where I'll, yeah, okay, <laughs> not to get into weird drama or whatnot. Uh, she was initially penciled in for All In, as you recall. I sat uh, two chairs right. away from her at the All In press conference. She was she, she was yeah. all set to go. Um, at that time, she was dating Mr. Marty Scurll. Yes, she was. Um, I don't believe that's happening anymore, right? I don't believe they're a couple. No, they're not. Uh, I don't know whether or not that affects any future. I, I have no idea the relationship of Marty versus Co- versus those guys versus her. I have no clue. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's wrestling, though, so who the fuck knows, man? You know? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about any of that. Um, but they've got a women's division that, for the most part, does not exactly get rave reviews. No, they have Anna J. They're good now, man. It looks, listen, I uh, like the end of J, Rich. I, I like I, it. I know. <laughs> the first time I, I saw uh, her, I said, that's a Joe Lanza. That's a Joe Lanza girl right there. A brunette, a good-looking brunette. Is she a brunette? I believe so. She's blonde, isn't she? No, talking about the same so. person? Yeah, no, she's not blonde. Maybe, dirt, no, before, maybe a dirty blonde? 
Dirty Blonde? No, Penelope Ford's blonde. Just say Dirty Blonde. It covers all bases. <laughs> it does it, though. It does. Dirty Blonde. <laughs> she's definitely a brunette. Yeah, she's a Dirty Blonde, right? Okay, fine. She got the dark hair. What does she got? Let me look this up now because now I'm confused. I'm it's, pretty sure okay. She's yeah, okay. I, I'll, I'll give you Dirty Blonde if you want. She's a Dirty Blonde, right? I gotta pull it up too. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I um. She's a blonde. She's a, dirty, she's a blonde. That's not even a dirty blonde. That's a blonde. Okay. That's not a platinum blonde. Like she's not, you know, Buddy Landell. But <laughs> she's not Boudreaux over here. She got. That's the first blonde I thought of. I yeah. Like that. <laughs> All the blondes in the world. I brought up Penelope Ford, who she wrestled. <laughs> but yeah, okay, good for you. Yeah, I go with a male Buddy Landell right? if you want. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. I didn't even go with like Missy Hyatt or like no I I went Buddy Landell with that one. Um, yes, Dirty Blonde. Okay, I okay. I, gotta, I will allow Dirty. I will concede Dirty Blonde. That's fine. I gotta take a W on that one. That's a Dirty Blonde. That's like textbook Dirty Blonde, man. Hey, you notice they dropped a Y off of her name? They did. Yeah, well, it was stupid. Why was it there anyway? It's kind of dumb. Yeah, she's had less than ten matches. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, like, she's pretty I, good for that. She's clearly green. I mean, make no mistake. I think people are going a little overboard on how good she is. She's good for someone who's at 10 matches. There's a difference. You know what I mean? Like, she's not good. Um, there's little things where you can tell that she's got a long way to go. Um, she did a backslide with... Who'd she wrestle in her first match? It doesn't matter. I can't remember. Oh, it might have been Penelope Ford. They did a... Ba- who, again, is not exactly fucking, you know, Toshiaki Kawada. But... <laughs> Buddy they Landell. Did a- not exactly Buddy Landell, but- no, well, definitely not. I no. mean, Buddy Landell was really fucking good. Yeah. yeah. Um, they did a backslide. Now, she has massive potential. Don't get me wrong. No brainer first wave signing was Penelope Ford. No question about it. They did a backslide spot and, like, they didn't hook the arms. So, one, the girl that was getting pinned was kind of just dangling in the air with her shoulders down. <laughs> right, right. Like, little things like that. And then you just the rope running and the strikes. But listen. I would have signed Anna J too because she falls into that category with like Wardlow and uh, Wardlaw, whatever his name is, and some of these other people where they're kind of cultivating their own. They're 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 finding their own people without p- just plucking indie names. You know, they're digging a little deeper. QT Marshall students and things like that, and I think that's smart because um, there's something to be said. You need name talent and recognizable talent on TV. But that also can work against you sometimes, where if people are burnt out on certain talent, these are fresh faces. Nobody's burnt out on Wardlaw. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's good that they're can that they finding people like that. Um, what were we doing? Oh, uh, you're doing, it, yeah, will AEW call these people? So Deanna Perazzo, I put no, but... That's where we left off? Yes. Um, Tino Sabatelli. I could see him getting a call, yeah. Legit athlete, former yeah. NFL star. Um, Kurt Hawkins. Um, I would probably say maybe a text, but you're right that he probably he probably does live a little bit more in the um the Zack Ryder thing. You know, you know where where maybe he maybe we maybe we underrate how big of a connection he has to those guys. You know, I, I think there's a use for people like that. Um, I, I have a weird feeling about Zack Ryder. I think it's going to be hard because he's been treated like a jobber for a decade. And that's a hard stink to shake off. 
But I will say that those fans are more willing to overlook those things more than any other fans in the world. I think that AEW fans are more than willing to accept a new coat of paint and give you a chance. I, I do. It's then on you to perform to that level. But I think those fans are just willing to give anything a try that that company gives them. Right, and I think he's a, he's an endearing loser, he too, is. in that way. Like, I do think a lot of that fan base understands that he was given... You know, maybe not. He wasn't really given the, the the right opportunities, or he wasn't really given. You know, he he made the most of of the the Z. You know, trial, you know that that sort of stuff. Where I, the Long Island I Z, all that sort of bullshit or whatever. I think people understand that he he did work his ass off, and and maybe didn't get all the love that he should get. I I think I think maybe people. I I I, I do think the AEW fan base, and and by proxy, like a lot of people that listen to the show, are probably a little bit more endearing on Zack Ryder than your your casual fan thinks he's a fucking loser and doesn't care about him. That's who you're going to have to work over. You know what I mean? Like the, your hardcore AEW fans, I think they understand Zack Ryder and they're cool with Zack Ryder. And they'd be I, fine if Zack Ryder came in and established himself as a, as, as a player. It's the I, yeah, casuals I, I think, think you're going to have trouble with. I agree. I think he'd have a chance to get over. I do. Um, but his own motivation levels would matter too. I, I saw one indie promoter talking about how he thinks Zack Ryder is going to be booked everywhere. Um, because we speculated maybe just the Northeastern promotions, you know, your news and whatnot. Um, I just don't see where he's a fit on, like, I don't know, just your standard issue, uh, like a Black Label Pro show. I don't see where Zack Ryder's a fit. But I, I think he'd have a chance to get over in AEW. Um, Kurt Hawkins, I think there's a place for guys like that. I wouldn't push him. And I don't think he has the upside of Ryder, even though they've both basically been on the same level for you know, Ryder spiked a little higher than Hawkins though. He I did. Think yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I think more people have, have warmer thoughts about Zach Ryder than they do Kurt Hawkins, you know. I think Ryder's a guy where they could have tried and they just didn't for whatever reason, because there were times where at least live crowds were behind him. And that's always the start, you know, and, and Hawkins never really had that. And Hawkins tried the indie thing and it just didn't work. Um, I guess if Hawkins got booked everywhere, why wouldn't Ryder? Right. But I'm having trouble wrapping my head around PWG main eventer Zack Ryder. And I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like a fit to me. But I, I, I could I could be It's off. a new world, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like you said, we have no connection anymore to what the fuck is going on with the indies. So it could work. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know... I just feel like he'd be a guy who'd have a really high price tag and would be just restricted to those kinds of shows. I, I, I don't, and I don't know if he's the kind of guy motivated by building up cachet with hardcore smart type fans. Right. Proving, proving that yeah, he was underused or underutilized or whatever. And, and that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Cause, don't cause know. him and Hawkins just grew up WWE fans, you right. know, they were just, you know, wrestling fans and, you know, that's what they wanted to do, and they made it. And they didn't really have, like, long runs on the indies. They both worked basically the promotion they trained in, and that was it, that New York wrestling connection. You know, where Tony Nese came from, and you can name a million guys. I mean, that's an underrated promotion in terms of churning out talent. But it's like they worked there for a while, and some, you know, other promote smaller 
promotions in that Long Island, New York area, and then got signed relatively quickly. They didn't work all over the country. They weren't indie names. So it's like, I don't know if they have any desire for that or or any like, they don't have like a history with it, which always helps. So I have a, I have a hard time getting a feel for them, but I think Cody absolutely called him. And, um, you know, I think if it, the circumstances were normal, he'd be doing the convention circuit and taking bookings right now and then would ultimately end up in AEW. Where we're at now, who knows what's going to happen. I'll give you one more name because I want to transition it into a next mini topic before we finish up the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Drake Maverick. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Did you watch NXT? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I have not watched the full show. It's so weird. (laughs) It's so weird. I don't know what to think about any of this. So you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, right, right, yeah. So they played his, basically, (laughs) the video that he tweeted out of him being emotionally broken from getting released, it's now a storyline. Yeah, I can't I can't decide if I think that's cool or fucking the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, I can't decide whether it's all a work from the start. Right, I don't know what to think about any of this. Like, it's either the really cool story, a really crass story, somewhere in between. I have no fucking clue. Rich, I'm just going to say this. If they are working that this man was released... And did it on the darkest day in company history, in the middle of a global pandemic, and lumped his name in with the rest of the people who were fired for real for the benefit of a ninth-tier storyline on the C-show. That is some dirty shit that I cannot get behind. Do you see where I'm going with that? I, I do. It's Like, normally... I love the idea of working us so well that we buy into something. I'm normally all on board with that. These circumstances make it a little different. If he was given his own little release on the website and it was worded differently, but again, that may have killed the gimmick, but under these circumstances, lumping him in with the rest of the people that were really fired and then having him, Give that emotional speech. And for all that, if that's all a work from the start, I cannot get behind that. It's tough. Yeah. And I, his tweets have been really weird, too. And there were some weird tweets when the, the initial thing came out. And, you know, he's got a pressing tea store now. But the main shirt that he's trying to sell is win spud in quotes win. And it's got hashtag NXT, hashtag WWE, at WWE NXT, at WWE the shirt is black with yellow lettering. Well, what about the weird? What about the weird tweet by the progress? Yes, that's, that's the exact one I was bringing up, up, where, where everybody out. thought that that guy was being crass and being an asshole. Where he says, maybe, "Ah, putting the product product over even even after the dark day," or I forget the exact. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there, but essentially, you know, hey, thanks for you know continuing to put the product over or whatever. And people were like, "What are you fucking nuts?" And they basically ran him off Twitter. He deleted his account. I forget which progress guy it was. It wasn't small. Uh, Glenn Joseph, right? It was Glenn Joseph. Yeah. You're right. And maybe because he knew. And maybe he wasn't thinking in terms of this is not the day to make this kind of tweet because maybe he's behind the story or is part of or understands the story that they're telling. And then you see what I'm saying? But then because no one else is in on it, it came off very tone deaf, if nothing else. 
But that was suspicious. It is, and, yeah. And then he I, nuked his account. But look, if that's the case, I cannot get behind that. I think it's really shitty. And the fact that he's such a great performer, I know he could pull off something like that because he's so good at his job and he can handle heavy material. We've seen him do it. That also adds to the intrigue because it's like those tears and everything and, it, and everyone felt baffled. But I know he can pull that off. This is a man who pissed on live television when the device didn't work. <laughs> right. And that's and he's a great and remember the EC3 feud in, in Impact and how great that was. The dude is great. He's a great performer. He could pull this off. But that I can't deal with. Now, if it was heartfelt and it was real and he is really fired and he did ask to finish up and he pitched the idea of, okay, make this my outgoing storyline so we can give this thing a little juice. I don't have a problem with that. Where would you stand in that case? Yeah, I wouldn't care. Yeah, and that's where I say like this nuance here is is, is weird because it's either like a really fucking great story where he's like, look, this is my dream job. I understand why you guys are getting rid of me. I understand the circumstances. Let's let's play this out. Let's let's do something with this. Because then then you're we're, then we're talking. This is okay. This is CM Punk. This is Summer of Punk. This is that sort of stuff, which I'm totally cool with. If you're like, hey, let's you know, if 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 this guy has is making this choice of look, I know you're going to release me, whatever, but let's have one last good story. Let's go out with a bang. Let me have this thing. We can you know really kind of play it up and all that sort of stuff. I'm fine with that as long as this guy is sort of, you know, as long as it's not totally. Because then you're just playing with people's emotions in a yeah. wrestling sense, whereas like like you're talking about, or if they're working this, then you're playing with the emotions not only of wrestling fans, but you're also playing the emotions of like other people now that 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 have I'm lost listen. their jobs or whatnot. And, yeah, and that, yeah, I'm that's... sorry, I have a problem with fake firing. Someone. Right, that's that's fucking terrible. Yeah, it's, in, it's gross. in a release in a release where you're really firing people, right? Like exactly. His, like his name is next to people who really got fired. That's where I have a problem with it. It's like that to me is crossing a line. That's to, that's going to – in the circumstances we're in, I might not even have a problem with that if we weren't in the situation we're in as a, as a fucking – No, it's it's completely crass now given given what's going on. Yes, that's all I'm saying. You know, it's like I can't defend it. If this was done in a random month and no other firings were happening and all of a sudden a press release comes out that WWE has agreed to, you know, the release of, of you know, Drake Maverick, we wish him best in the future endeavors, and he was the only one released and it's all work, that's one thing. Yeah, yeah, and they, and then and then they were it was done in such a slick way that they were able to work. That'd be great. I thought that'd be cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, be a good story. But right now I'm a little weird with it. Um, but again, we don't know that that's the case. I just I think it very well could be. There's some evidence pointing in that direction, or it could just be ah fuck it. You know, this video got over. He could just be a worker, and he's like, well, you know, in the sense that the video is real, the emotion's real, but he's a worker, and he figures, well, well, fuck it, it got over, so let's use it. That's total pro wrestler thinking right there. Total old school pro wrestler right, thinking right, right. that I could see him doing and pitching. Yeah, we can make money with this. You know, we could draw yeah. with this. They're just classic as you and, mentioned and it's not the show draw. slimy weird pro wrestling, but it's pro wrestling. Slimy, it's, weird pro wrestling. <laughs> and not just from the perspective of, hey, you guys can draw with this, which is I'm sure how he pitched it to them. Okay, this can give this tournament a little juice because this video got over. But also from his perspective, this has me this this helps me be hot on the way out. Instead of just limping out after three losses in this dopey tournament, now people are paying attention to me in this tournament. So, you know, I'm leaving the company with the highest profile possible. With also in the back of your mind, man, maybe they'll hire me back if this is great, if they think this, you know what I mean? If they think this is a hot story. So 
I can totally see why he would want to leverage his real misfortune and his real emotions into something interesting because no one's talking about the Tony Nese run in his tournament, but they're talking about Drake Maverick. Right. Yeah. He's the talk of the tournament right now. Absolutely. Him and Phantasmo coming back, you know? So it's like, you know, anyway, I thought that was a weird one, but uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. But yeah, if he's legitimately fired, he's a guy that I call immediately. I mean, you, even if it's not as a, he is so good at everything he does. I mean, that's a super talented guy, but, um, Let's do this Impact Rebellion. Let's do it. Yeah, we got about half an hour left in the show. We got a heart out here at 7, so uh, I don't know about 2AW, but we'll see. I guess Impact doesn't we'll have much. We could, we could probably fit some 2AW Yeah, we'll here. get to both of them, 15 minutes each. No Impact problem. Wrestling Rebellion uh, 2020, night one and night two. Um, it it did kind of suck because I actually did a random, for whatever fucking reason, uh, a random catch-up of Impact uh, over the last like month or so uh, to kind of get ready for the show, and it, it is pretty funny watching. You know, I watched the, uh, the TNA special that Impact did, and the entire show is plugging, like, the Impact No Place Like Home pay-per-view that, that just got wiped out. So the entire time, you know, you have you know Scott Demore saying, oh, my God, everything's going to be, you know, it's going to be such a great show here at, uh, you know, in the Impact, there's no place like home. And then at the bottom, there's just a giant thing that's like, event no longer happening. <laughs> like, don't buy this event. Don't call your cable company. It's just so funny to watch the stuff that was taped, you know, months in advance be completely nuked. Uh, but they were able to do this. The uh, Empty Arena uh, two-night special, normally a pay-per-view. This is now a special on Access. So uh, this week's TV was night one. Uh, next week's TV will be night two. Next week's has... Well, we'll, we'll t- I guess we'll, we'll kind of talk about it, but we'll have yeah, yeah. Uh, an Impact World title match, presumably. Uh, Tessa Blanchard is a champion, but she is in Mexico. Can't, Mexico. Can't uh, come to the country. Uh, Eddie Edwards doesn't want to go <laughs> to the shows. Edwards is not going. He he gave the little promo here on this show. For, uh, pre- it was taped, right? Unless that's it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it was taped. Uh, that uh, yeah, that he's so. he's worrying about his family first and foremost, so he will not be there. Uh, and Michael Elgin is there, so I don't know what's going to happen on night two, but I'm kind of interested to see what they do, what they what happens with it. So, um, so this is Impact Rebellion night one again. Too big for just one night. I love that <laughs> Madison Rain line. You got to love it. I mean, come on, that's funny. Um, so it's Madison Rain and Josh Matthews on the call. What do you think of these two quickly? Because we don't have a ton of time. But... Yeah, I didn't mind it actually. I thought I it was like kind of good. Yeah, I like uh, I like you know, her knowing that she's married to a fucking moron or whatever, dating a fucking moron. I forget if they're married or dating, but yeah, Josh says stuff. She just kind of says, "You're an idiot." Rolls her eyes. Perfect, like great, like husband wife dynamic between the two. Are they married? I I, I got to figure that out before. I think I, keep... I I think they're married, but it's kind of a. I don't think impact in impact canon they are married. It's kind of a wink, wink. Okay, and but... that's what playing into the commentary because um at some she she's saying things like she was like he plugged impact plus and she was like josh if you think i'm gonna impact plus and chill with you you have another thing <laughs> right right like, exactly things like that you know like, like yeah there was like, weird like you're gonna sleep on the couch tonight type things or whatever so yeah um, so a little little stuff there i thought they were pretty good i thought she you know a little rough around the edges at the at, you know at, at the beginning but i thought she kind of found her flow and and i don't mind i didn't mind it i thought she was pretty good she added some nice insights he's a he, look he's fine he's like a replacement level announcer i have no problem with him he's okay uh he'll call your matches he'll put your shit over and I thought she was shockingly good for someone at her level of experience. So I thought she was funny and uh, personable and and, um, and 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 witty and added to the show. So I thought the the I think the commentary is a plus. But uh, let's go through this. This is night one. Uh, too big for just one night. So we'll do this again <laughs> next week. Uh, we had OVE with Fulton taking on 
Tommy Dreamer, who will be, who will be booked on these kinds of shows till he can't walk anymore. Um, Rhino and Crazy Steve returning to Impact. Uh, Rhino wins this one with the gore on one of the Christ brothers. I don't know which one it was. Yeah, well, Josh Trump. didn't either because the entire time he goes, Dave Christ, ah, uh, Jake Christ. Actually, it's Dave Christ. And Madison was, <laughs> I think she made some quip here. Like, yeah. Like, come on, isn't this your full time job, Josh? Come on. Man. Yeah. Um, so Josh is like little... us. He is. He is us. He has. Once you're a tag team, we have no idea who you are anymore. It, he's like... just like, yeah, I can't tell. <laughs> right, I don't and know. These... I, dude, gun to my head. If you tell me which one, if you show me a picture and said which one is Jake and which one is Dave, I don't know that I could tell you. And so. you've watched them wrestle live a <laughs> right, hundred times. times. <laughs> a hundred times, <laughs> including at one point when one of them retired. Which again, I don't remember which one retired, but one of them retired for like two years, and one of the ones kept going. Uh, after retirement, and I still couldn't tell you. I think Jake is the one with the, like the beard, and Dave's not. I don't know, man. Who knows? Yeah, Rich, I I don't. I can't tell him apart either. Um. So anyway, the the two big things here for me were the, the match and the result don't matter at all. Crazy Steve is back. So. <laughs> I like I like the hard sell by Josh Matthews there. Can you believe it? Crazy Steve's back in Impact. <laughs> like... Yeah, I can believe it, Josh. <laughs> right. I can believe it. I'm not stunned by this. I gotta be honest with you. Um, did he or did he not have that WWE developmental run? Because remember that weird story that he got signed by developmental, but then I don't think he ever popped up. I never saw like him given a new name. Like, so was he there or was he not there? I think he did a. I think he just did a tryout. If I remember, remember because they 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 used to show pictures of people that did the tryouts. Yeah. And that didn't mean you got signed, but you showed up in like a tryout photo. But then he dropped off the face of the earth. So people right like, after that, I don't know what happened after that because yeah, he did just completely go away after that. This is like he, 2017 that he did the tryouts, and then he just disappeared. So was he in the PC the whole time? I don't think so. I don't think so. Slapping on chin locks. I don't, I don't know. know what he was doing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, he's back in Impact. Yeah. Rich. <laughs> Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Um, talk about this Fulton for a second. Someone's got to be able to get something out of it. This guy's huge. He can move a little bit. Um, we know he was part of Sanity. Then MLW gave him a shot, you know, through the, the Callahan connection, I guess. And I guess when Callahan disappeared from MLW, he did as well. But here we go in Impact. I feel like someone should be getting more out of this guy. He's got some tools. Or am I out to lunch here? No, I, I think he's got good movement, too. I think, you know, he's he's pretty young, I think. I think he's still in his early 30s. He might even just be 30. Um, but yeah, he moves around pretty good. He's he's got big size. I think he's legit six six, six seven, six eight, somewhere in that range. He can move around pretty well. I am I'm pretty amazed that that he hasn't done more, and that he you know hasn't gone, especially in this current landscape. And yeah. He's not shit. Like you you see him, and it's not like that guy has no skills or oh my god that guy's got nothing. Like he does have something. Like is he a super worker? Is he gonna have a five star match on the Indies? No, but like yeah, I can't believe that there's not more being done with him. He's got a great look. Just jumps off the page type of look. Uh- Look, I don't know anything about him. Maybe he has some stink because he's part of that whole Ohio thing, um, you know, with the Callahan people. And we know they have bad reps, and that might be what's holding them back. But outside of that, he's a guy – I'd book him before I'd book a lot of these people yeah. that are on top of the indies right now and give that guy a shot. But maybe there's some issues we don't know about. We're really digging for content if we're breaking down Fulton. <laughs> Fulton and Crazy Steve. <laughs> what the pandemic does. Um <laughs> So uh, we had uh, Josh Matthews talking to Eddie Edwards. 
via the Skype or no one uses Skype anymore. What is it? The Zoom. Zoom. Probably. I think this was actually on Skype though, because Eddie Edwards doesn't want his fucking data to get stolen. So I respect it. But yeah, this was on Skype though. It's, I think it, the little Skype logo was down there. But uh, okay. yeah, most other people are using Zoom. All the uh, cool kids are using Zoom right now. So yeah. So Edwards discussed putting uh pulling out of rebellion for the safety of his family or whatnot, which would play into the next segment with Gia Miller with Michael Elgin. Um, I have to apologize to all of the WWE interview robots because Gia Miller fucking stinks. Oh my God, was she the pits? Did this jump out at you or no? Um, she was not very good. Yeah, I don't know. Is she a regular on Impact? I don't remember ever seeing her. <laughs> I don't think well, I'm ever, I don't ever going to see want, her again. I don't so. want to see her again. She stunk. This is this is why WWE does interview robots. They don't want to let people be terrible, so they just make them all the same. And and this is the problem because she was not good. But uh, she talked to Mike Elgin. He's standing there. He did a cocky heel uh, promo, but not in an over-the-top way. He said uh, he made his mark in Ring of Honor and became a world champion. He went to New Japan, and he had the first-ever ladder match in New Japan with the best bout machine, who he did not name by name but called him the best bout machine. And he says he has his eyes on the Impact World title. He says, Tessa's not stuck in Mexico. She's afraid. <laughs> and he says, Eddie Edwards is just making excuses. I thought this was a nice little promo. It was, yeah, once, once she stopped talking, it was pretty good after that. No, she was fucking horrendous. For a guy who's not known for his promo. No, this is good. You know, just a, 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 like we always say, we, the things that I love about processing are kind of the sports-based things here. And this is just a guy confident in his own skills saying, ah, you're all ducking me. You know, you don't yeah. want me to have this title. You don't want to defend this title against me because you're scared. That, that's it. And I tell you, I was down. I liked it. I was ready I to go. I, I'm excited for night two because I know he's going to be there. And I don't know what the hell they're going to they're gonna do. But, you know, i probably give him the title, man. He's there. <laughs> he's ready. Let he's willing. You, like He's a company man. I mean, do you see him on Twitter how hard he puts impact over? Oh, yeah. This, sure. this is the best time of my career. This is the best locker room I've ever worked with. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Everyone here loves to wrestle. I love wrestling Eddie Edwards. I love wrestling. T- I mean, you know, he's all about the – and whether that's pro wrestler talk or he means it, it doesn't matter. Bottom line is he's really behind uh, this impact run. So next we add a three-way tag. The Rascals, in this case, Wentz and Dez with Triple XL and TJP and Falaba, uh, the Filipino tag team, who I think have been a low-key, very entertaining tag team on Impact. Uh, This was just okay. TJP, I'm not even sure he tagged in. I'm not even sure he took a bump. (laughs) Yeah, he was... uh... TJP collected Not working overtime today, yeah. Nah, nah, he's not getting paid by the bump. Uh, So... Uh, you know, he, you could disappear in these six man tags. I think TJP has been listening to uh, Togi Makabe in the New Japan locker room and uh, getting some advice. But uh, he did. Yeah, you're nothing. right. I can't remember him doing anything. No, he I did nothing it. in the match. I'm telling you, it was incredible. Um, so uh, Dez scores the pin on Larry D of Triple XL. This was just okay. Uh, Rich, I want to talk about Larry D for a minute. I would not put him on my TV. What do you think? Yeah, no, I thought he was laughably. He looked like laughably shit. Indie. Yeah, Very yeah. There, there's got to be somebody else you can bring. There's somebody else you can use. Yeah, th- this he's like Kingpin style, like Ring of Honor, where it's like, what are you doing? Or even like to a lesser extent, Beer City Bruiser, where it's like, dude, your show looks like fucking so second rate if he's on there. Yeah, he looks like um, absolute shit. He he's not good. It's no. not like Ace Romero who pulls it off, and that's part of his I, gimmick. This was just sloppy, listen, overweight indie dude. Like, yeah, it, it was. It's pure indie. Ace Romero, no problem with him. Falaba, no problem with him. 
So this is not like a fat phobic thing. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not at all. Those guys are like credible pro wrestlers, and they bring something to the table. This is a dude that you would see on a really low level indie show. That's how he comes across. Yeah, like the the very like one row of folding chairs in a high school gym type of guy. You know, your buddy wrestles Uh, for that company. Your buddy trained, you know, to wrestle in that company, and you're going there to support him type guy. Yeah, I'm sure he's an. Nice guy. Didn't work for me. The advantages of doing the show live, we come to find out that Gia Miller is Ace Austin's girlfriend. Yes, yeah. So very likely because of the situation. She was just there and they said, hi, you're hot. Go over there. (laughs) So let's, maybe we should pump the brakes. Yeah, I'll let her her slide. Yeah, apparently she's a wrestler, Ace Austin's girlfriend. And it's not her job. And okay, so we apologize to Gia Miller. She's getting thrown into it. She's never done it before. I, okay, I I apologize to Gia Miller. That's unfair. Um. So what do we have next here? We got a, let's see, we got about seven minutes. Then we're going to do the, uh, the two AW. So that's matching uh, the entire show. X division title, Ace Austin, Willie Mack. Yeah. For the X division title, long, long storyline here. Um, you know, uh, Willie Mack wins the X division title. I agree that this was the best match on the show to this point. What'd you think of this? Oh, a hundred percent. I thought this was really, really good. I thought a uh, really good action by, you know, Ace Austin's a guy that I think we've talked about on the show before where, you know, I think I like the character or the, you know, the, the charisma a little bit more than I like the wrestler of Ace Austin, but there is times where you see him in the ring and you go, Oh wow. Pretty good. Like this guy, this guy has potential. He's still pretty young and he's still kind of putting it together. Um, and then Willie Max, like just like a professional, a, a pro's pro. You know, I hate to use like the most generic term ever, but it's Willie Mack. Like he's, it, you, you, I don't know that you're ever going to have Willie Mack in like a five star incredible match, but he's always going to have like a certain baseline, a certain level that he gets to. And I thought he was really good in this match. I thought AS Austin was fantastic in this match too. And like you said, there was some real stakes. There was some real tension in there. Those guys worked it like there was some tension and they worked it like it was a match where they really cared who won or who lost or whatever. Ever, and Willie Mack gets the win, and, and and yeah, this is one of those matches that as you're watching, you forget that they're just in an empty void of a warehouse or a TV studio or whatever, and you just get lost in the story of the match and the story of that the, they're trying to tell. So I liked it, and, and and I thought it was far and away the best match uh, on night one. I thought really, really, really solid work by both guys. Yeah, yeah. Willie Mack's a guy who should be working every indie in the country. Yeah. Now, I- I'm sure that that L.A. flight is at the Tarrant. I understand that. I get it. Uh, but, you know, I assume he still lives in L.A. anyway. But, um, you know, outside of that, there'd be no reason not to book this guy. But, uh, yeah, best match on the show. Did you, did you watch have... the uh, – not, sorry not to interrupt, but did you watch the TNA special, the Impact TNA special? Which, which the, special? Well, know. the one they brought back – well, they brought back, like, Kid Cash and shit. It was like the no, – No, I didn't watch Okay, it. well, it, regardless. So they do a, they do a, a, a segment during that where they said, hey, do you know the rules to the King of the Road match? And, like – or the, the King of the Mountain match. Not the King of the Road match. The King of the Mountain match. And it's supposed to be a big joke that like, the King of the Mountain match is so convoluted and stupid. So you have Des and Wentz being like, really? That was the match? Like, that's so stupid. Why would that match happen? And everybody else was like, ah, no, I don't know the rules. Or one guy's like, ah, I think you're in a cage. And I think there was a ladder or whatever. They interview Willie Mack fucking nails it he's like yeah so the timer goes like this that does that. he nails it they go how did you know that and he goes i used to watch impact all the time <laughs> yeah it's great <laughs> and it's so like it's just so earnest he's just like i don't know i just watch impact he's I like, I just watch it. He, <laughs> right. you can tell he's the kind of guy he just he watches wrestling he's yeah because they're like because the interviewer's like wait how did you know all that and he's like i just watched impact because <laughs> i watched the show dude right. i watched the fucking show which yeah. was kind of fun because the whole gimmick was supposed to be how goofy this whole thing is. And, you know, our talent roster doesn't even remember it because they're so young or whatever. And Willie Mack, the old man, is just like, yeah, man, I'm just sitting on my couch watching it back, man. Like, yeah. So we had uh, Willie Mack celebrating with Rich Swan, who still has the injured leg. And Swinger enters the room. 
And he says that uh, he that Willie Mack promised him the first title shot. Willie Mack looks very confused at all of this. And uh, it appears as though we're headed towards a Willie Mack versus Swinger X Division title match <laughs> at some point. I it like sounds to- ridiculous. I, it sounds so ridiculous <laughs> on its face that Willie Mack and Johnny Swinger are going to have an X Division championship match. But in practice, it actually rules. Like. I- I, I'm into the swinger gimmick. It's not I think bad. It, well, it, it's, you mean you mean Johnny Swinger or the swinger gimmick in general? Oh, well, well, hey, hey, now. Um, <laughs> it's hey, whatever he, you do in your own time. I don't care. Not now. He, uh, don't do that now. Pick it up in a few months. It's hey, listen. Joe Lanza will never stop. <laughs> well, fucking just how many times I have to say fucking TLB, not you know your neighbors. That's all I'm saying. I can't make any promises. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, wear a mask at least. Nah, you just. You do doggy style. The face That's is on the true. other end yeah, of the bed. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um, the swinger gimmick, like it's self-aware. So that's why it's 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 so good. Like he's not – the way it's played, it, it sounds horrendous on paper until you watch Impact and the whole swinger yeah, thing. Yeah, everybody knows he's a dork except for him who thinks he's right. the coolest guy in the room. Right, even though he's extremely dated and very corny and very creepy. But he thinks he's the coolest dude. Like, um, oh, Wow. Am I having an epiphany here? Am I being, should I be more self-aware, Rich? Is that what's happening? <laughs> so moving on. We have a Kylie Ray video package uh, where they show her story in the build-up to this uh, Kira Hogan match. Um, interesting with Kylie Ray, where the story was it was too much to be on national television. And uh, she had to amicably part ways with AEW, the pressure and, and all this. And then she signed with a national television wrestling company, Rich. <laughs> Should we just leave that there? And I'm going to leave it here for for this show. We're, we're going to leave it here, but we will be proven right at some point about that story. So. We're running out of time, so let's move through this. Uh, she then had her match with uh, with Kira Hogan. I thought this was the second best match on the show. I liked this match. My notes it says good, so it was a good match. That means I don't know three stars or something. What'd you yeah, think? Of this? I was I was right the same as you. Like I didn't think it was an incredible match. I didn't think it was a match that you need to go out of your way to see. But if you're if you want to watch two hours of wrestling. You're not going to go wrong, you know, with this match being on there. I wouldn't skip this one. I would, you know, talk about the main event <laughs> where you might be able to skip that one. But uh, no, I thought it was pretty well, you know, good, good work. Uh, Kira Hogan being kind of the the bigger of the two, kind of had the big power moves throughout, and Kylie Ray kind of being the 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 you know fiery underdog, the fiery babyface. I liked the story and I liked the match. Yeah, I thought again, not a you know, a match that like you're going to remember in in eight months or whatever match of the year type deal anywhere near that. But yeah, a solid enough match. I'd, I'd say about three stars, three and a quarter, right around there. Basically, you go on your DVR, you slap play on Willie Mack, Ace Austin, and then you slap stop after Kylie Ray and Kira Hogan, and you've seen all you need to see from Rebellion Part 1. Yep. And yep, they're back exactly. to back, and it's it's perfect. You watch all the video packages that come with it with both matches, and th- that's the 30-minute that's the stretch that you watch on this show. Uh, next, we had uh, Ken Shamrock and Sammy Callahan. In Impact's version of a cinematic match. Now, to be fair, they've been doing them longer because they've had this undead realm and everything else. They were doing it before it was before it was cool. I guess I have to say it because <laughs> it gets over with people. It just doesn't get over with us. Um, look, it was horrendous. It was Ken Shamrock at sixty years old, who in tremendous shape, by the way. I shouldn't really bring up his age because it doesn't. I mean, does he look like he's thirty? No. But does he look like he's 60? Absolutely not. Well, in some ways he might. Yeah, <laughs> some parts of his body do. His knees you in know. particular. But. 
human growth hormone is a very helpful thing. A guy, look, look, Rich, he's a brick shit house, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, he okay? can still kick my ass. That's all that matters. So he can beat us both up at once, and <laughs> right. you know, so uh, th- that's what I'm getting at here. So and Sammy Callahan and 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 there's like this goofy music. Impact just uses the worst music for these. Oh, things. the spaghetti western music that played. Uh... And then uh, they walked around, and he threw Sammy into a fucking truck. I, if I never see another on. fucking production truck in my life, I will never. No more be. trucks, please. No more trucks. No more drones with trucks. I'm done. Yeah. I'm over it. So uh, he puts him in the ankle lock. Sammy does not tap or give up. Sammy passes out. So Ken defeats Sammy in a cinematic main event. Have anything to add, or can we do the two AW? Fucking right. nothing. Two AW. <laughs> so that's uh, part one. We will be doing Rebellion Part Two next week. Um, Third hour this week. I don't know about next week. Might be leadoff next week. Um, <laughs> Things are getting dire. Might be the leadoff. I don't know what else we're going to do. Vince can't keep uh, being a maniac every single week, I guess. But maybe. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about this 2AW show. This took place March 25th, <laughs> but it didn't air, to be fair, until like April 5th. So we're only like two or three shows. I think what, two weeks behind on this, doing this on the show? We could have done it two weeks ago. I think so. Yeah, I think it was two weeks, so. So to exaggerate a little, but uh, 486 fans packed Cork and Hall for this one. I was just happy to see any fans on a wrestling show uh, at this point, because remember, this was in March, so uh, they were able to have fans at this one. We're not going to do the undercard. I will just, uh, well, I'll just give some random thoughts on the top six. Um, Ricky Fuji, I have now seen him wrestle twice. In the year 2020. <laughs> Once was against Yoshitatsu, and you can only imagine how terrible that was. Um, but look, it's Ricky Fuji versus Yoshitatsu. Does it matter how bad it is? You know what I mean? So um, I kind of enjoyed it on an ironic level. And then we had him here in a six-man tag. Uh, and on the opposite side was our boy uh, Dinosaur Takuma. So um, I don't know. I didn't think I'd see Ricky Fuji wrestle twice this year. But, uh, look, we're watching things we wouldn't normally watch, right? So that's what happens. Exactly. Right, right, right. So I'm fine. Um, so also what else? As far as the rest of the undercard goes, listen, there was a point in my life where I watched every uh, every single show from the company that uh, became 2AW. Back when Taka was in charge and it was uh, – what was the name of the company back then? It was um, – uh, Kaintai Dojo, right? Kaintai Dojo. Yeah. Remember that year where I watched every Kayantai Dojo match? <laughs> I do. <laughs> For a while. And, and I, and and I kept getting mad on. about it, too. Nobody was making you do that. Yeah, I'd come on the show and complain about the shitty Kayantai Dojo <laughs> shows that I was watching. And you would be like, Joe, you don't have to watch. <laughs> right. Like, and you watch every match, too. You didn't just go to the match. main event. You didn't just no. say, you were like, yeah, this fucking Ricky Fuji, or, you know, oh, this fucking Kaiji Tomato against Bull. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't have to do this. I wasn't skipping the Kengo Mishima. Fucking no, Kengo Mishima versus Kaiji Tomato, Joe. Rich, this match sucked. I'm like, I well, know. No, I wasn't even skipping to that stuff. I was watching, like, the whole show. Like, so it's like, and then I came to my senses and stopped. And I haven't seen a Kayantai Dojo slash 2AW show in full in probably two or three years. Um, so this is my first exposure to promotion in a long time. And I have to say, the undercard is a lot different than it used to be. It used to be very grapple-heavy, dead crowds. Because, no, listen, crowds do not respond to that style of wrestling. I don't care what anybody says. Um, 
and you know, this undercard was a little more lively. It seems like the wrestling style has changed a bit with the change in management. Um, but other than that, I don't have a ton of uh, observations from the undercard. Um, and there's really nothing here that you need to go out of your way to see. So let's just skip to the top two. And uh, that would be the 2AW open weight title match. We have a new champion, Rich. Yuji Okabayashi defeats Shu Asakawa in 15 minutes and 49 seconds to win the title. A nice little match. I don't think it's one of Okabayashi's best. Uh, but, you know, I'd go like three and a half stars on it. It entertained me. And um, I don't think his opponent was in his caliber. No, uh, no, that was pretty clear. Yeah, I thought he was fine. But it was clear that like one man was, you know, <laughs> Yuji Okabayashi, another guy. Yeah, it was, it was certainly not. Yeah, so that it, it, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well, but it did feel like a big guy in a, in, you know, a big fish in a small pond type deal. So It was a guy jumping up in class. Is It's what it felt like. It yeah. felt like Asakawa was jumping up in class. And 2AW has some guys like Kengo Mishimo. I don't love him, but he can go. He's a competent pro wrestler who can who can hang with the big boys. And Ayato Yoshida, who we're going to talk about, I think. So there's some guys there. But Asakawa, it really did feel like he was stepping up in class here. And Yuji Okabayashi, you got to get those bookings where you can get them. And he's the new 2AW champ. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a weird one, but it is what it is. Uh, and then we had the tag title match. With uh, Chango, I cannot believe I watched a Chango match in 2020 either. That's crazy. I don't think I've seen a Chango match in years. And Kaiji Tomato uh, defeating Ayato Yoshida and Tank Nagai, two regulars of the promotion and two of the better wrestlers in the promotion, yeah, yeah, Yoshida yeah. and Nagai. Um, it, it, look, Ayato Yoshida, Tank Nagai, Kengo Mashimo, uh, I think that's the class of the company. Uh, they've got some young guys with potential, but those three, Asakawa is okay. Um, but, you know, those are the guys I would point to here. Um, uh, Chango, talk about the Mandela effect. I looked up his cage match after the match to try to figure out the last time I've seen him wrestle. I don't know how – you might not be familiar with him at all. But I always thought of him as a former Dragon Gate guy. He has never wrestled a Dragon Gate match. <laughs> is it all caps maybe that got you – no, I just he's from the he's like a Toriyaman guy. Mm-hmm. But I so that maybe that but I I have like this weird Mandela effect thing where I could swear I remember watching him wrestle in Dragon Gate like in 2005 or 6 with like the gorilla gimmick, the ape gimmick because I think that's where he got the name unless I'm confusing him with someone else. And I looked him up and he never wrestled for Dragon Gate. And I'm like, what the fuck? This can't be right. So I'm doing additional research. (laughs) Cage match is wrong. I am right. (laughs) There's no way. And the only Dragon Gate match he ever had was the Toriyaman reunion earlier this year. And I'm like, I guess I was wrong all this time. But um, look, my takeaways from this, and then I'll give you a couple minutes to talk about it, and then we'll wrap it up. Ayato Yoshida is so far and away the best wrestler in this company. He's so good. And it's like, it's not just his wrestling, which is on par with anyone you know, he could wrestle anywhere in the world. We saw him in New Japan, and yeah. he hung fine. But it's his presence. He looks like a star. Yeah, he walks like a star. He walks he, like yeah, a star. Yeah, for sure. He's projecting more and more like a star now. I think working New Japan and All Japan has really helped him in that regard. And when you put him in his home promotion like this, he just he just it's a it's just a different level of pro wrestler that you feel like you're watching in comparison to everybody else. And everyone else in this match is pretty good. I like Tank Nagai. I think he's a, a, a quality pro wrestler. I thought this match was really good overall. I was kind of surprised. I it was better than the main event. Yeah, for sure. Because I was kind of surprised seeing some of the names. And I like Kai, Kaiji Tomatoes, you know, 
fun. Like, you know, I don't know if I think he's like a tremendous pro wrestler, but he's a fun pro wrestler. I, I enjoy him. And Chango, I, I've seen a few times and he kind of looks like uh, indie trash. You know what I mean? Where I'm kind of like, ah, you know, ugh, whatever. We'll see here. But I was shocked that this was as good as it was. This was great. You know, people, I, I think a lot of people maybe just skipped right to the main event and, and, and went over this tag title match. Do not do that. This was tremendous. This match. Cool yeah, story no. too. With it, yeah, as yeah, well. real good story. Yeah, and and Kaiji Tomato, who look, his gimmick annoys me because, uh, look, I don't need you to be Stan Hansen, I don't need you to be Steve Doctor Death Williams with the white robe with the red flames, I don't need you to be fucking Lance Archer, but if you're a pro wrestler, I do need you to at least convey some toughness. And I just, it, I struggle with Kaiji Tomato because he's got that dumb smile on his face. He's waving pom-poms and doing his little dance. Yeah, it's tough to get into, and, <laughs> for sure. And all I could think about when I watch him wrestle is, what would Stan Hansen do to this man? <laughs> He'd take what his would, fucking head off. <laughs> yeah, what would Bruiser Brody do to this man? What would One Man Gang do? To, what would whoever, uh, fucking Dick Slater, name any. Like, I, And again, I don't need you to be the toughest guy at the end of the bar, spitting chaw and slapping around your old lady. I don't need that. What? But what I do need is you to convey some level of toughness. And if you're not going to convey toughness, you need to convince me that you're that you're beyond skilled in the art of pro wrestling. You know? And it's the same problem I have with uh with the uh the the AEW former world uh, uh, uh what's her name? Um help me out. I can't believe oh, I'm talking about uh, oh man, why am I playing it too? I know, uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's been a long, yeah. The, the long former, a, the former AEW Women's Champ. Yeah, Why am I blanking on? I don't know either. Now I, I oh man, uh, uh, who lost to? Uh, <laughs> we're gonna get so many chat rooms. Here. I just can't think of her name. I don't know why we're in such. But a, anyways, uh, the same problem I yeah. have with her is the same problem Riho, I have. Riho, Riho, who you're thinking? Riho. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just don't come across. We know tough we got or, it. It's Rio. <laughs> they don't come across tough or skilled in any way, and then they they come across as like. If you're a pro wrestler, I shouldn't feel like I can kick your ass is the bottom line. That's what I'm getting at. Um, and, and if I can, you need to come across very, very skilled. Like that Hoist Gracie theory. Looks like a banker, but he had skills 20 years ahead of his time. And at that point, oh, now I can buy him because he's given me a reason to buy into him when he's choking out all of these fucking Barbara. I, I can't buy into Rio, but I'm going to do a, a fucking turn here. I enjoyed Kaiji Tomato once the bell rang in this match. I oh, thought for sure. Was- yeah, no, I, I usually am that way with Kaiji Tomato, too. Like, I, I always think I'm going to fucking hate him, and then he comes out and he, he wrestles, and I actually like him a lot. I think it's, he's got really good skills, and, and I like his speed, and I like I like the way he kind of wrestles and whatnot. So I'm always well, a little he surprised. he wrestles with some intensity here. Right, right, right. Sometimes he and doesn't, and that, and that yeah. Sometimes that does he suck. doesn't, yeah. and it's too cutesy, and I have no use for that cutesy bullshit. But the story of this match that you alluded to, you know, and, and the intensity that he worked with, he won me over in this match when the bell rang. I don't think he's a super worker. I don't think he's like uh, one of the best wrestlers, juniors in the world or anything like that. But I wish his persona – but it's a tricky thing because his persona is what gets him over to begin with. Right, right. So right. You, you're, you're asking him to dump what has well, – and when I say got him over, I mean, you know, I mean it's fucking 2AW. I mean it's not like he's a gigantic star either, but it does get him booked in fucking – Super J Cups and 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 on other shows as well, but he's just the guy. I struggle with the persona. He doesn't come across as tough, but fuck, man, this match was really good, and he was a major part as to why it was so good. Yeah, what'd you think of? Uh, I mean, obviously Yoshida's 
goes without saying. What would you think of uh, my main man Tank here? I was a big fan of Tank. I don't think I've ever seen him before or ever really noticed him before, but I thought he was really good here. No, who, Tank Nagai? Yeah, good. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, he was very good. Yeah, oh, the, this right match around. was... Yeah, it's a really, really good match. Probably Everyone in the match was good. Um, now, Chango... Man, now I'm questioning myself. Am I confusing him with... Um, who was the Dragon Gate wrestler with Ape in his name? Ape Kamada or Ape? Uh, hmm. Same era, like 2005-ish. I think that's who... Hold on. Ape. I got to know this now. Uh, Ape. Kamada. Ape Kamada? Ape Kamada, who, the, the, yeah. the future Monday Ryu, right? I think so. I think. Don't quote me yes. on that. I will, I will check that and out he, to see if that is true. That a, is true, he yes. Had a, he had a monkey gimmick, too. He had a... Uh, didn't he have an ape gimmick, like a, a monkey gimmick was ape? Well, I assume because his name was Ape Kamada, that probably no, but I mean, did, like, yeah. literally, No, but I mean he was literally in a monkey outfit, like not even just the name. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't like a very, like a furry monkey outfit and jumped around and stuff, it looks like, so. I don't, I don't, yes. I don't remember that, but yeah, that, that, that might That's be my answer, of. I'm confusing Chango with Ape Kamada. <laughs> Mandy Ryu, yeah, don't do that. This is why I thought Chango was a Dragon Gate wrestler, because I, I was... I, for some reason, I thought Chango had a monkey gimmick, and he might have had a monkey gimmick too, but Ape, Ape Kamada was the guy in Dragon. All right, well, I feel so much better. There you about go. It. Yeah, there you go. It's, it's good. I thought I was just uh, Mandela affected by all this, but I wasn't. I was just thinking of the wrong fucking guy. There you go. That's a way to end the show. Yeah, huh? <laughs> you didn't think we were going to dive into the, you know. The deep depths of uh, of Torimon and Dragon Gate, but there we are. So, uh, all right, so that is it for us here on this week's uh, Voices Wrestling flagship. Of course, uh, VoicesWrestling.com, at Voices Wrestling for all of our, uh, our content on Twitter. Uh, VoicesWrestling.com slash Discord. That's uh, where you're going to do uh, – we, we hopefully we'll do another call-in show uh, pretty soon. I know the $10 subscribers have been asking for that, so we will definitely do that uh, sometime very soon as well. But, of course, thank you, everybody, for listening live. If you're not listening live, uh, Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling is how you can do that. Uh, all other great content on, on the Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling as well. Joe Vammer to remember, the Lavella look back, some new stuff coming our way uh, pretty soon as well. So plenty of good stuff there at patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling. As I said, VoicesWrestling.com for reviews, previews, all that other good stuff. And of course, support our sponsors, ZipRecruiter and Roman. So, uh, Joe, that's it for us. Another successful live show. We did it. You got to stop saying that, Rich. We're professionals. Uh, we are. People, people stop doubted this. Surprised. People, people doubted the call-in show, and it was great. And people doubted that we could do live, and it's great. So I don't know why people doubt us anymore. Stop doubting us. They better stop doubting the call-ins because we're going to run out of shit pretty soon. <laughs> and we're going to have to do those. Yeah, we want to do the call-ins, but we want to at least scrape every little bit of pro wrestling that we can before we do the call-ins. So it's coming. We know it's coming, but we got to at least scrape every show that either had fans or could have had fans or was wrestled in a ring because May and June <laughs> look at well, in Japan. This is, why so. I, this is why I said at the top, this is why you save the Noah. You save the wrestle. Right. We're going to need the content. So we'll space it out. Got impact next week. And um, look, I will not do raw and SmackDown. It's not going to happen. Um, if it comes to that, we'll figure something else out. Um, I'll do other TV shows. I just, We've never done Raw or SmackDown. Why should we start now? Well, I, you know that the whole joke of this podcast was we are not a Raw or SmackDown podcast. When at the time everybody else was, no one even does it anymore. There are no Raw review pod. It became a meme, and it's not even true anymore. But I will not resort to that. I don't know where you feel. You you want to watch uh, five hours of Raw and SmackDown Fuck every no. week? Jesus Christ! I can't no. do it. Are you kidding? I'd rather just not uh, do a show. To be honest. I'll find something. I will find something yeah. to watch. I am not doing Raw. We're not doing so, that. Yeah, that's not happening. 
you know, we'll space out the, 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 the stuff that we do have. And then hopefully slowly look, if there's a wrestling show happening and somewhere in the world, we'll find it. We'll, we'll find it. it. We'll cover it. Yeah. As long as we will, we, I will die before I do Raw and SmackDown. I, yeah. I, I just can't, yeah, I can't stomach it. And it would be a horrendous, horrendous show. So anyway, well, I'm, not, I'm not doing those dopey uh, dentist room wrestling shows either ever. So no, I'm yeah, no, 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 I'm not doing fucking, uh, uh, what, what, um, I can't think of anything today. Um, Got, I'm not doing Gato Move, Gato no move. shot. There's the Chaco Pro weird, or whatever that's going on too. Yeah, 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 this new one, this Chaco Pro, no shot. I'm never doing that either. So that gets thrown in the Raw SmackDown category of, yeah, seriously, I'd rather go, yeah, I'd rather get coughed on by a COVID patient. I'm not doing <laughs> right. it. Sit in a right. hospital bed. So. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for us here. For, so Joe, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Grace. We'll see you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.